Captain's Log, Stardate 7592.3.5. I'm Captain Britton. And I'm Captain Spencer. These are the voyages of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes. To seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where no skin is not a Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek. The show where two Trekkies ask themselves on a weekly basis, how do they poop in Star Trek? I'm always wondering that. Always like, wondering. Where, where do they shit? Do they still shit the same, as you asked? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's very... It will, maybe, so many bathroom questions Maybe we'll Trek, get into honestly. that. Maybe, maybe we will today. Maybe we uh, will. But today we'll be discussing Strange New Worlds Season 1, Episode 7, The Serene Squall. And we'll also be discussing Star Trek Voyager Season 6, Episode 3, The Barge of the Dead. But before we get into that, let's check in on some Trek news. We got Trek news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got Trek news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? Oh, boy. Was a whole bunch, whole bunch happening this week in Trek news. Yeah, so it was, much uh, Trek news. It was announced this week that uh, Picard season two would be released in physical format this October on uh, DVD, Blu-ray, and a limited edition Blu-ray Steelbook. So we were wondering about this. We were we were talking about mm-hmm. this a while ago. Yeah. We we're like, is Picard going to get a yeah? Uh, it, get it's an getting a physical Blu-ray release. release. Several several releases, and uh, so the special edition one comes with over an hour of special features, uh, including. Uh, the USS Stargazer, which is a featurette that takes a deep dive into the creation of the USS Stargazer from conception to build by production designer Dave Bloss. That's uh, probably kind of fun. You yeah, know what I mean? The ship kinda looks cool. kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. For it. Um, they also have the Chateau, which is led again by production designer Dave Bloss and prop master Jeff Lombardi. Hell yeah. Where they just go through Picard's chateau and uh, it's basically like MTV Cribs, but for, <laughs> for Picard. Picard's chateau. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, something right. uh, called okay. The Trial is Over. It's okay. a beh- uh, behind the scenes look that connects fans with John DeLancey. Okay. And uh, he just talks about like Q and his feelings on Q. Uh, and as few- you do, as you do as Q. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you talk about what Q's up to. Yeah. A little uh, featurette called uh, Rebuilding the Borg Queen. Um, oh, about the Borgati. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and they, they go into you're, like, I mean, it's more or less about the design of the Borg do Queen. You, do you remember when uh, we talked about last week how um, they were originally going to call Gerardi's uh, uh, Borg the Gerardi? Yeah. Which, I, wow. That made me unhappy. I, I'm still upset about that. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. Be I'm upset. Do that. Be mad, Spencer. <laughs> okay. uh, they also have a thing on uh, Picard props where they just have the prop master talk about all the props, which is. Okay. You know, whatever. Yeah. yeah so, that is pretty whatever. Yeah. yeah uh, totally. I, I would recommend uh, avoiding uh, Star Trek Picard Season 2 on physical and digital media. All all sorts of media. Just avoid it. It. Um, yeah, it's not good. It's not, yeah. it's not great. Unless you want to like, like watch it, hate it, then w- listen to our very first Soy Trek episode where yeah. we uh, 
talk about it for we, we way about too it. long. That was such that was a grueling. Episode. It was. I mean, the the whole watching the whole season Watch, was yeah, a marathon. It was, and like the episode, yeah, had sadness and pain. So really. much, so yeah. much. Uh, also in Trek news this week. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, okay, we get we got a couple of things. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's some talk about Picard season three, mm-hmm. um, specifically from Lavar Burton. Yeah. In which he accidentally spoiled something about his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to say the spoiler here? Or? I don't know. Does Jordy finally get laid? Dude, Jordy has kids. What? <laughs> I mean, yeah, are they I like know. replicated? Or like, it's, a great, it's a great question. Test maybe, tube? Did he did he engineer his children? Uh, I don't... Maybe they're they're androids. Maybe they're they're robots. I don't know. But um, apparently. LeVar Burton's real life daughter plays one of his kids. So like mm. canonically Jordy is finally getting laid. Supposedly. I don't know how I feel about that to be honest. I, that's a weird So okay, they've been talking a lot about uh, Picard season 3. Uh-huh. And how they're going to give these characters quote and a lot of people have said this a proper send-off. The TNG crew, the TN- yeah. TNG cast. Um, I don't know, Nemesis was a pretty great send-off. <laughs> yeah, uh mm. yes, a great send-off really. But like the idea of saying that Jordy got laid, like I don't know if that's a great send off for Jordy. I don't know if that's in keeping with his character, but you know, mm-hmm. as much as I love Jordy, I would love for Jordy to get laid. I just don't feel like his character ever truly justified that, you know. Yeah. Um. So who knows? But you know, g- good for him. Good for Jordy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Th- that's what I got for that. Uh. What do you got for? What do you got else? All right. Uh. I got. I. I guess one more thing. I'm gonna skip the other thing. Uh. Because it's just about people being like white haters. Uh, hating black people on Trek, and we, oh yeah, I saw that's that. not that news. Dumb. It's that like l- we don't need to talk about that because yeah, fuck you, those guys, yeah, fuck, fuck racists. Yeah, man, that's like sucks, dude. You know, judge a character based on their fucking merit, like you know, by the performance of the actor given yeah. the role, and, and, and by the writing, the writing of the character, yeah, and right, the directing of the scenes, you right, know? like uh, evaluate it on the I, context I, of what it adds to the show. I, I can't believe I forget what her name is, but the. Uh, the Imperator from Obi-Wan. I've been watching Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. And the black lady on there is so fucking cool. She is like the coolest character on the entire show. And a lot I can't, of people are mad about that I character. can't. Why? She's so know. cool. Yeah, she's I, so cool. I thought she was pretty cool. She's too. like a badass. And she, oh man, she's great. But um, yeah, it, it just bothers me that, you know, fuck those people. But Haters going to hate, man. Haters are going to hate. But uh, let's let's get into some Brent Spiner news. Oh, so Brent, Spiner news. Brent, Spiner alert. Brent Spiner said in a, um, an article here. In, uh, Could you not? In uh, Red Shirts Always Die. We'll get into that. <laughs> Never. Um, uh, so... Uh, Brent Spiner, uh, you know, he's always had a little bit of creative freedom with his characters. Oh, I thought, like, for a second, I thought you said you were going to say he's always had a little bit too much to drink, but <laughs> yeah, that too probably. But um, and especially in this context, I think he might have had too much to drink when he suggested this. So okay, so uh, on the uh, you know when they were preparing pre-production for uh, Star Trek Picard season two, mm-hmm. um, he was uh, making notes about his character uh, Adam Soong and um, uh. He was, uh, so, Mm -hmm. Spiner said the producers have never answered the question of, uh, if, uh, Soong has a natural child at all. Mm -hmm. And so, oh no, his idea was basically this. He said, it's basically this. We've met Picard's ancestor, Renee, played by Penelope Mitchell, right? The one Mm -hmm. Soong tried to kill in the, in the thing. If Soong were impregnated... Or if Soong impregnated <laughs> Renee in the future, that would mean Noonien Soong and Data and Picard are all actually related. 
Okay. And then executive producer Akiva Goldsman no. immediately told Spiner no. to never say that again. <laughs> okay, 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 good, 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 good. good. All right, all right, Akiva I just, Goldsman. All I just right. love that line. Executive producer Akiva Goldsman <laughs> immediately told Spiner to never say that again. Never say that again. <laughs> it's it's so good, man. You know what he did? He turned to Brent Spiner and he said, could you not? <laughs> yeah, could you not? Uh, the only thing Brent Spiner has ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell that story really quick? Have you told that on this podcast? I don't think I have. Okay. Uh, basically... Um, Actually, you know what? I'm 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 gonna actually wait for that because uh, we have a guest coming on who's there. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah. perfect. Yeah. So I, I have one more news article. And this is very this is loose news, mm-hmm. loosely news in the loosest. We got definite. loose news for you. All of your holes <laughs> will get so fucking loose. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this past week was the 40th anniversary of Star Trek II, The Wrath of It Khan. certainly was. I saw that. It turned 40, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, which, you know, a great film. One of uh, one of the films that got me into Star Trek. Pour out a 40 for Wrath of Khan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick aside about The Wrath of Khan. It's mm-hmm. an awesome film. Yeah. But I don't know if its long-term impact on the franchise is good or bad. I'd say it's bad. Yeah, I'd say it's probably pretty bad, too, because, yeah. like, it was that action movie mold that they tried to shove TNG into a bunch mm-hmm. of times, and it really only worked in first contact. Yeah. And worked is a pretty loose definition. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it was it was fun in it first contact. It was at contact. least fun. Yeah, but it, like yeah. every other time they tried to redo it, it was just like, Ugh, why are mm-hmm. you making these characters into action heroes? That's not what this crew is. No. So I don't know. Anyways, controversial uh, film, The mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan. It's forty years old. Go watch yeah. it, maybe or don't. It's pretty it's, good, it's though. It's pretty good, yeah. I like Wrath yeah. like of a lot. All right. All right. Want to get into Strange New Worlds? I'd say we should uh, get into the new track for the week. Strange New Worlds on the Enterprise with Captain Pike. We'll tell you how it goes and if it blows. If it sucks, we'll be screaming. Oh boy! Oh new strange boy. new worlds this week. Season one, episode seven. We only got uh, three episodes left after this. Wow! Yeah, Look only at that. ten episodes Look in the season. So, um, this episode's called "The Serene Squall," uh, released yep. today, June sixteenth, twenty twenty-two. This one was written by Bo DeMaio, who um, uh, wrote uh, co-wrote episode four of Strange New Worlds, "Memento Mori," and mm-hmm. he's also written several episodes of The Witcher and Moon Knight. Uh, Sarah okay. Tarkov also uh, co-wrote this episode. We've heard that name before. Yeah, and she wrote uh, ep- co-wrote episode two, Children of the Comet, and she's also written a bunch for like Arrow and a couple other series. Okay. And uh, this one's directed by Sydney Friedland, or sorry, Sydney Freeland, uh, who did a couple episodes on Walking Dead spinoffs and a couple episodes of Reservation Dogs. Oh, okay. I watched that. That it's supposed to be pretty good. Show. Yeah, it's, it's like good. a like a, a Native American reservation yeah. kind of comedy, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's maybe like, like smoke signals. It's kind of a thing. dark comedy slash like drama. Yeah. Okay. Like I would, I would say like a kind of looser. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's so hard to explain. Let's dive right in. Okay. We uh, we start out on um, uh, the vo- uh, at the uh, Ashkaton Katil Vulcan C- Criminal Rehabilitation Center. Yeah. On the third moon of Omicron Lyrae. Hell yeah. Yeah, no captain's log. This is just a straight cold open here. 
And it's um, T'Pring. We got yeah, we, we go down to T'Pring, and uh, she's hanging out there and yeah. doing a monologue in her head, talking about how she's been there for the past few weeks, helping Vulcans purge their emotions in order to rehabilitate them from their criminal tendencies. Mm-hmm. She says it's hard to find time to see Spock, but she senses he wants to explore his human side more. So she's experimenting with their relationship in an effort to, as humans put it, spice things up. Which yeah. means the it butt. means butt stuff. It's yeah, butt stuff. It definitely She's, means butt stuff. On on Vulcan, yeah. they don't have butt stuff, which is yeah. like the oh what they don't find it logical. They don't it, find it logical. Yeah, which is like, I mean, trust me, Vulcans, get into it. It's logical. Like, it's get logical. into your half human side if you got one. Fly that freak flag. Oh yeah. Uh, fly that. Fly that freak flagship. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, she is now on a call with Spock, and uh, she says she's been uh, researching human sex, which causes Spock to choke on some wine he's drinking. Yeah, he's like... Which I actually kind of laughed at. I thought it was a comical moment that was, like, befitting of Spock. He'd be like, what? He'd be, like, very flustered. Yeah, he was very flustered. So, uh, she said she's found some sexy books, such as Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer, which has a very male view of sex, and Erica Zhang's Fear of Flying, which has a very female view of sex. Um, and uh, then the Argonauts by Maggie Nelson, which she found more interesting butt oh. stuff. Oh yeah, the Argonauts. Definitely. They should call it the anal knots. With yeah, how much I mean butt that's stuff what they do there. call it. Yeah, they yeah. do. Oh, yeah, yeah, down at the shipyard. Society. <laughs> yeah, we live in one. Yeah. Uh, Spock is not familiar with these books and suggests that they should consult the texts together. Read oh, books yeah. together as a couple, which is yeah, like definitely. Do you think that means like at the same time? Yeah, yeah. Like, like while they're you're while they're having the sex. Oh, yeah. That seems hard. You know, you'd have uh, it would take a lot of focus. Yeah, but it's a, it's a Vulcan thing. They can do it. Uh, yeah, they can probably they've do been, it. They, they have the mental fortitude. They've been training yeah. to read while fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, I could see that. Uh, Tapring agrees that they should consult the text together, but says that uh, since she's have, uh, sorry, since she's full Vulcan. It's on her to understand Spock's human half. Mm-hmm. He thanks her for being so thought- thoughtful, but says there's no substitute for seeing her in person. Yeah. Is, I mean, that that's that's yeah, true. Yeah, I feel you that. Know. So next we go to the hallways of the Enterprise, where Nurse Chapel is walking with Spock and explains that their guest, Dr. Aspen, is very sharp. Uh, yep. Spock's obviously not listening, and she explains that... Uh, uh, to kind of test him that she's sharp, or uh, Dr. Aspen is sharp in the way that they have blades for hands to shave. And Spock's like, uh, most curious. Uh, so Chapel stops him <laughs> and uh, says that he's not paying attention and he apologizes as he's distracted because he's having relationship challenges with Tapring. Yeah. Chapel reminds him that last time she gave some relationship advice, he went overboard in, you know, that's yeah. referring Spock Amok uh, a couple episodes ago. Punches that guy as to bring. Well, yeah, that yeah. and also like the it, the the relationship advice causes him to switch souls with her, basically. You will get Yeah. Yeah, so um so Spock apologizes for the what happened last time. Spock admits he's intimidated by Tapring maybe being more interested in his human side than he is. Chapel says it's fun to be friends with Vulcans because they're so honest, but reminds Spock to not be smarter than the truth, which I thought was a pretty great line. Mm. Uh, and she's like, uh, don't be smarter than the truth. That's what got you in trouble last time. And I'm like, yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good line. I like that. 
Yeah. Yeah, he really wants to get in touch with that human side for sure. Butt stuff. That human butthole. As they resume walking, uh, Chapel gives Spock a pro tip to pay better attention while she's talking, and then she uh, trails off because, and Spock picks up, because you are completely charming and I am missing it, uh, which uh, Chapel okay. cheerfully calls progress. And it's another small hint, definitely, at Spock and Chapel, or uh, what are we going to call them? Uh, Chop, chop, or spackle? <laughs> I like spapple? That. Chop, chop. Spapple is spapple? pretty good. I okay. like spapple a lot. Okay, yeah. nurse, nurse spapple. Mm-hmm. That's, spapple. Uh, spapple. Okay. There you go. Okay. Okay, that works. Yeah, nurse yep. spapple. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's the couple name we're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we ship spapple in here. Oh yeah, um, for sure. So uh, after this, we go to Pike's quarters, and he's serving a meal for Doctor Aspen. And <laughs> would you would you call Pike's quarters Pike's place? <laughs> that's a seattle pike. joke <laughs> whoa you've done it uh it's a uh, buckethead pike captain oh. buckethead pike oh that's uh, a joke for no one yeah you're welcome um so we go to pike's quarters and he's serving a meal for dr aspen and several other crew members including spock chapel Mbenga, and una mm-hmm. uh dr aspen uh is i think canonically like the first like or one of the first non-binary there was that one episode of star trek yeah but uh yeah. they like don't ever refer to them in any uh well there's, pronouns, there's that really. episode of tng yeah that's what i was right. saying there's yeah, that, that one, one where, yeah. where riker Rik- falls but riker fucks him yeah uh riker i don't think they ever fuck actually really? which was the problem problematic hmm. yeah and and uh interestingly enough uh, jonathan frakes in that episode i forget the name of it uh but he actually said that they should uh cast like a, a male or a trans person in the role in order for it to like have more impact, but they didn't. They ended up just choosing a cis woman, hmm. which is like yeah, you know. I've heard that story. I've heard that yeah, story. Eh. Rick Berman was like, no, yeah, fuck Rick Berman. <laughs> and also like, but that also like goes goes to prove that like Jonathan Frakes is a fucking trans rights Chad, straight up. We love Frakes. Frakes fucks. Frakes can get it anytime, anywhere he wants, <laughs> but he doesn't want to take a photo with you. No, no, he no, doesn't. He doesn't want to leave do him it. alone. That, that's okay. okay. That's he's, okay. He's, he's, in the, he's fucking in the airport. Leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to do it. Um, at least he's more polite about it than fucking Spiner after you pay for a photo. Yeah. Uh, could you not? <laughs> God damn you, Spiner. Um, so, uh, Aspen, um, so Aspen, non binary and fucking hot. Uh, they have like the, this cool eye tattoo thing. For most of the episode, they wear a. Uh, like this really sick bodysuit, but here they're wearing like this Patagonia jacket. Yeah, it's like this it's very awkward, like, it has like athleisure jacket. It has pink zippers all over. Yeah, it it looks very modern and very like you're at a job interview for like Crate and Barrel or something. Something like that. Yeah, like I don't know. It has a weird vibe yeah, to it. Right? Like it's a it's a very normy looking jacket. It's I don't know it's very weird. Seattle looking, and I'm like, yeah. we don't have Seattle in the future. I hope. Yeah, me too. I hope um, too. So, yeah. uh, Aspen, Doctor Aspen is explaining an aid mission that uh, they're on. So, mm-hmm. they've encountered a group of colonists stranded on the edge of non-Federation space for several months. The colony ships lost power 26 days earlier, and the colonists are toughing it out. But now mal- malnourishment and dehydration are setting in, and their location left them a long way from any help, uh, mm-hmm. especially like the Federation. So. So likely story. Yeah, is what I'll, I say to that likely story. Yeah, help people sounds like a setup. Mm, um, does so. Uh, Pike says that they'll have their new friends back on their feet in no time. 
Dr. Aspen's very grateful and can see why Starfleet refers to Pike as their Boy Scout. He's like, I'm I'm not a Boy Scout. And And, they're like, it's in your file. Yeah, Una's like, like, it's in your file, actually, your Starfleet uh, file. And uh, and Pike, I got to say, Pike is very charming. mm -hmm. This Anson Mount, I'm not, I'm going to mention it every single episode. Pike can also get it. He's very charming. Just a charming, like, I, I would definitely contend Pike is more charming than Riker, which is like a fucking high-ass bar, you know? Definitely an ass bar. It is. Yeah. Oh, it is a butt-stuff bar for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the gruel bar from later. We'll talk about that. Uh, so uh, Aspen's, very, Aspen's very grateful as their people have never been able to reach that far out uh, into space for a rescue as mm. the sector is largely unexplored and apparently akin to the Wild West here. He's like, this is the Federation equivalent of the Wild Wild West. Which, who, wild Wild but, West. The, what, what, okay, the one he, thing that bothers me. He says me, Wild Wild West. He doesn't he, say yeah. Wild Wild West. Yeah, he should say it. Wild Wild, 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 wild West. west. <laughs> and that's the way you're supposed to say it. We're but, going straight. Wild Wild West. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the, the thing that bothered me about that line is he's talking to aliens mm-hmm. and also, you know, Federation people about something that's very Earth specific. That's very From true. hundreds of years That's previous, very true. Which. Seems to me like those people probably wouldn't get that reference. Probably not, but at the same time, like I feel like the aliens kind of get all of the the Shakespeare references on TNG. So I'm like, eh, you know, it's whatever. I'm I'm willing to look beyond that. That's that's a small thing. It's a small thing. That's a small thing. Um, so, uh, in as much because it's like the Wild Wild West, Pike Mm -hmm. asks for a risk assessment. Uh, Una brings up a report. On an unaffiliated vessel known as the Serene Squall, which is a raiding ship that operates on the border of the sector. They're like pirates, right? Mm-hmm. Yar. Uh, yar. Uh, Aspen explains it's a private vessel which has destroyed all of the ships that they've sent on aid missions. Mm-hmm. Spock says that the Enterprise would be superior to any private pirate vessel, but Aspen warns that the pirates are fiercely loyal to each other, which is a bond more powerful than any weapon. Uh, I'm not so sure about that based yeah. on what happens in the rest of the episode. Like phasers rule, man. Yeah, phasers rule, dogs drool. Uh, phasers rule, pirates gruel. We'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> so, bar. Uh, so Pike then asks Aspen about their work aboard Starbase 12 as a counselor mm-hmm. and why they decided to change their scope to humanitarian efforts. Uh, they respond that not everybody who needs help is lucky enough to be in the Federation, so they left to do non-Federation aid missions. Uh, Pike says it's a shame as Starfleet needs more people with that point of view. Yeah. And right at that moment, Laon calls Pike from the bridge. They've arrived at the colonial ships, and he should come to the bridge to see what they've discovered. Discovery season two. Dis- uh, yeah, it's not. it's actually not as big a disaster as that. No. Now, uh, at the bridge, the colony ships uh, are completely destroyed. They're all debris. Uh, Laon detects two of the three ships reported, and Ortegas detects no life signs among them. Aspen wonders if anybody escaped to the third ship. Spock cannot detect the ship, but finds an unidentified warp signature, which Pike suggests could be the pirates. Aspen says the con- uh, sorry. Aspen says the colonists had nothing worth taking. Uh, but Laon suggests that maybe they took the colonists themselves as slaves. 
white slave narrative. You did chant that while we watched the episode. It's, it's, I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought of it to myself. I'm like, oh, God, I hope they get into the, you know, the Irish were slaves before the blacks. I oh, mean, no. I'd, uh, I'd, I would kick your TV in. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that would make you kick the TV. There really is. I'm surprised lot, your TV yeah. is still intact. Su- me too. I watched all, pretty much all, you, all of Picard season two on there. And it's still intact. All of Picard season two on there. I can't there. believe that. I know. That's something. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Pike says that if La'on is correct and they took the colonists as slaves, the pirates may have already fled across the border, and chasing them would require Starfleet approval, which would take two days given their position relative to the subspace relay networks, which made me wonder, like, mm-hmm. why aren't they dropping, like, subspace relay networks behind them if they're still in Federation space, you know? That's a good point, because they could help build up that relay network. Exactly, and, like, because they... they it's still their space. Like, why don't they have relays up all around the space that they've explored? It didn't really make sense to me, but I'm willing to overlook it a little if there's they a, need there's it. There's a chip story. shortage, Brit. That's know, oh, the, the Taiwan. Yeah, yeah fucking. Yeah, this is after shutdowns, China actually you know? took over Taiwan yeah, in totally, the future. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chip um, shortage. God, if, if, if China takes over Taiwan, like America is just simply fucked. Hmm. I mean, we're already fucked. We're the end of empire, but like. If China like claims Taiwan and like there's nothing we can really do about it, then like I mean that's that's where like a quarter of the chips in the world are fucking made. And this is like, true. Like we can't really build cars without Taiwan. It's nuts, and we don't have the supply chain built up to do it for years. It's oh yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, the future's looking bright, dude. That's yeah, why I'm wearing these shades. Yeah, but but at the same time, like the stuff that we used to be the only people that could do it, like uh, you know, like uh, wafer factories and stuff like that. We used to have the only wafer factories on Earth to build like certain processors and stuff. But China's building those now, so I mean, they're they're kind of inferior to ours at this point. But you know, they move very quickly, and uh, we're fucked. We're fucked. It's the end of empire. Anyway, uh, going back, uh, something less depressing. Uh, Strange new worlds here. Um, uh, so Spock says, uh, that if they head in, they're going to be on their own because they're two days away from any kind of subspace relay and, uh, you know, Federation coming to help them. So Pike has Spock send the request and has Ortegas plot a course towards the warp signature and drop some subspace, uh, Bowies to maintain Starfleet communications. Boys. Boys? Boys. 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 Some Starfleet boys. Boys. Uh, So he promises Aspen that they'll find the colonists, and then boom, opening credits. Eight Eight, minutes in. Eight minutes. Eight minutes minutes. in. Would you mind giving me a jiggle there? I think my camera's real not good. Oh, yeah. I've been, yeah, funky for the past several nights here. Yeah. Mm. That's okay. Cool Ortegas. I'm fine with being Ortegas as long as I don't have to say some soy ass lines. Ass Shit. lines? Yeah. Ass lines. So, uh, opening credits, super duper. Mm-hmm. After an opening credits, we come back uh, uh, at Aspen's quarters, and Spock mm-hmm. approaches Aspen's quarters and hears loud music coming from inside some EDM, apparently. Yeah, this was a very cringe interaction. Yeah, it was whatever. So It was like very loud EDM music. Yeah, so he rings the doorbell, and Aspen greets him, uh, wiping their head with a towel. Spock tells them that Pike has requested them on the bridge. Uh, they go to the turbo lift together, and Aspen explains that they used to club hop in their academy days to work off stress. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Sure. I mean, you know, fucking, uh, fucking Picard got stabbed in a bar. All, all. Yeah. That's stabbed fine. in the heart. Yeah. In a bar. Like Hell that's yeah. tight. That's yeah. That's, that's like a fuck. Lemmy type injury. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? I bet he doesn't smell as bad as Lemmy though. <laughs> 
Yeah, probably not. Uh, I mean, so we, well, who can yeah. say about now? So, so uh, Spock says the current situation would induce stress and anxiety, and Aspen says that uh, they should have gotten to the colonists sooner. Mm. Spock says uh, he considers blaming oneself to be counterproductive and anxiety-inducing. Aspen uh, claps back, saying not everyone has undergone colonar to purge themselves of emotion, which is a uh, Vulcan ritual to purge yourself of emotions. Uh, then, then they have uh, Spock like put a necklace on them, which is kind of a Chekhov's gun thing. Um, and then uh, uh, Aspen says they don't understand the erasing of emotions. And Spock says it provides clarity and an ability to see oneself without bias. And he admits looking forward to his own colon R. Yeah, he he's looking forward to that butt stuff for oh, sure. That yeah, colonoscopy uh, or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think yeah, purging yourself of emotions, purging your mm-hmm. butt of poop, so you can do butt stuff. They're kind yeah. of the same. Kind of, I mean, the, kind of the same ritual. Like I the, would assume they're, they're done the same way. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. If, if you have like uh, the anal douching attachment, you're like mm-hmm. shower head. Like it's mm-hmm. very similar to the colonar ritual. Very similar. Very yeah. similar. Yeah. We'll, we'll mind meld about you, it later. You feed uh, two birds <laughs> with one scone with that one. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, now we're on the bridge, and Pike says they've detected a distress call from an asteroid field nearby, asking if the colonists could send uh, one without their ship intact. Um, wait. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, Aspen says it's possible, uh, but also warns it could be the pirates in disguise. But regardless, yep, sure Starfleet, uh, Pike says, regardless, Starfleet regulations suggest uh, that they investigate any distress signal they receive, which I didn't know that before, but that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, it but at the same sense. time, like, yeah. if there's if there's evidence that it's, like, a trap, like, it's, I don't know. Yeah, you'd want to, like, at least consider, which, I don't know. Which I guess is why it said it's a suggestion, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That works. It does make sense. So, uh, Pike orders them to yellow alert and to go closer to the signal. The navigator cheerily asks how... Uh, Ortega says the navigator uh, cheerfully asks how close, like first date or third date, and Pike answers blind date. Um, I do not understand this interaction at I, all. I it was super soy and it was super. I, I didn't like it. At all. No, no, no. Uh, I wrote I wrote in big bold letters soy moment. So after the soy moment, and after I got <laughs> done cringing, I unpaused, and uh, as they come closer, um, what did you do while you were paused? Just ma- like... I masturbated. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay. as they come closer to the asteroid field, Spock says the signal is growing stronger, but they haven't detected an actual ship yet. So then the Enterprise bumps into an asteroid, and an energy net immediately encircles the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the and it looks really fucking cool. It's great CGI. Uh, Pike orders red it alert. Does it looks fun? There, there's like a literal laser net around yeah. them. They, they comment laser on this. Net. They comment on this. Uh, like Ortega's is like, oh, we're in a net made of lasers, and I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe you sure are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Pike orders red alert, and uh, Spock reports the energy field is tethered together by several asteroids equipped with high energy electromagnetic reflectors. He says, in the best case scenario, the energy beam would disable the ship, and at worst, and Ortegas goes kaboom, and then he explains exactly what will happen, and Ortegas confirms kaboom, which was more soy. Why do they have to give Ortegas and Laon all of the soy lines in this fucking show? Well, they give Pike some too, a few here and there, but they give him most of the lines, so he's yeah. got to have like two. Um, but I mean, this show especially, Ortegas is really just fucking tofu'd out. <laughs> uh so uh we 
I don't know. <laughs> so uh, Lon asks about disabling the weapons, the, uh, the the net around them, but Spock yep. says it's unwise yep. as it could trigger a cascading effect of explosions and take down the ship with them. Sure could. The net appears to be closing in on them at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, right then, Aspen comes up with a solution saying that uh, if each asteroid has a reflector, that means the further they are from the source, the signal would degrade. And whichever of the asteroids is emitting the highest amount of energy was likely the source of the beams and the one they should shoot down. Spock does a scan and finds that there are two asteroids with similarly high energy levels, making him indecisive on which one to shoot. Pike tells him to go with his gut, and Spock shoots the correct one, disabling the entire net. As they fly away, a small craft on one of the asteroids detaches and starts to follow the Enterprise. Mm, well, this is cool little spider so that, craft. So that's it's, probably where the other energy signature was coming from, right? Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. It's probably perhaps. that ship that was falling. Lucky that mm. Spock didn't shoot that one down. So, mm. well, lucky indeed for one one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So next we go to Spock's quarters where he's studying Master Mas- oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's studying an asteroid field and just mm-hmm. baiting hard. Like Jason Bateman. Yeah, I mean that's why that's why they call him the Bateman. Hell yeah, for sure. Uh, so he's, he's studying an <laughs> asteroid field uh, when Aspen appears. He asks how he can help, and they respond that uh, they were going to ask uh, Spock the same thing. Spock invites them to help with his scan, but Aspen points out that when Spock was asked to go with his gut, he nearly had a heart attack. Spock says he knows Pike is comfortable operating on hunches, but to Spock it feels uncomfortably like guessing. Mm-hmm. He says guesses are derived from incomplete premises or premises, uh, which Vulcans consider illogical. Aspen refers to his human uh, human ancestry, but Spock dismisses that as merely genetics, having mm-hmm. been raised on Vulcan, mm-hmm. which Aspen then cleverly dismisses as merely geography, which I thought was some pretty good dialogue. Okay, uh, Aspen explains all species are put into boxes. And although we often act on people's expectations, that is not necessarily who we are. And I got to say, I want in Aspen's box. <laughs> like, that, that fucking black bodysuit is smoking. Like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, really, really, really hot. Probably, I'm going to say the hottest person on As- uh, Strange New World so far. Okay. I'm, I'm going with that. All right. Um, so, uh, where were we? Uh, Spock? thinks that they're telling him to balance his cultures, but they reply that he is perhaps neither Vulcan or human, to which he replies, if I'm not human or Vulcan, what am I? Uh, Aspen says it's not their place to say and apologizes for overstepping any boundaries. They tell him not to waste his time with the asteroid field because if the pirates set a trap, they'd be dead already. Interesting. Indeed. Back on the bridge, Ortegas is flying manually through the asteroid field. Uh, Pike says it's not easy and offers to relieve her, but she likes steering manually and says uh, it's like her and the Enterprise are in a deep conversation, like a third date. And I was like, fuck you, Ortegas! Stop Mm -hmm. talking! Like, I wish we just had an option to mute Ortegas for this episode. Like, I I like Ortegas as a character. I don't like the character. They just give her all the worst lines in this goddamn episode. The the lines aren't good. They're not. Um, So the date references are definitely soy at this point, is Mm -hmm. what I put. Um, The Enterprise arrives at the location of the third colonial ship, and Spock detects 200 life signs in the cargo hold and 30 more throughout the ship. Aspen says that the three ships had about 200 people on them altogether. 
Una speculates that the uh, the Squall hijacked the ship and left pirates aboard to keep the other folks as prisoners. Pike asks if the ship has detected them yet, and they have not because they're out of range. Pike decides to use the element of surprise and has Una and Laon join him to the transport room. Because the captain leads the away missions, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah. That's how it goes, dude. Yeah, right? And yeah. Uh, so he says, like, uh, Laon, Una, you're with me. And at first I'm like, they're taking, like, Everyone on the away mission, thankfully, they didn't take Laon immediately. Uh, they just had her be the transporter chief for some reason because mm. they don't, they already, I don't know, they already have a fucking transporter chief, whatever. So, everybody in the transporter room is suited up in tactical gear, uh, except for like Una. Um, and Una accuses Pike of playing fast and loose with Starfleet regulations on this mission, to which Pike responds, Who, me, the Boy Scout? Which I thought was actually pretty charming, but kind of cringe. Well, know, now fun. he wants to rebel, right? Everybody's seen him as a good guy. He's like, no, nah, I got to be like a, gotta, a good a good guy, but like I, I got to bend the rules a little bit. I got to have a little bit of a dirty dick. You got to have a little bit of a dirty dick. A little you bit of d- dirty just dick a little pike. dip in the dirty. Yeah, yeah, just, 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 a little just dip the, in the tip dirt. of the pike, mm-hmm. you know, tip of the pike. <laughs> <laughs> so Pike on and four red shirts beam into the cargo bay of the uh, colonial ship and look for prisoners but find cages standing false readings instead. They call back to the ship, reporting no colonists and asking to beam them back, but the comms are all jammed. We go to chapel on the Enterprise, and she hears shouting and weapons fire. So she climbs into a uh, service duct, a Jeffrey's tube to hide. Uh Uh-huh. Jeffrey's Uh, tube. We love Jeffrey's tube. We love, I mean, Jeffrey's tubes are like a huge part of Star Trek, really, honestly. Jeffrey's tubes and Jeffrey Combs. Absolutely. The two biggest characters in Star Trek. Two biggest Jeffrey's. I feel like this is one of the first times they've actually had a Jeffrey's tube on like Strange New Worlds, much less pretty much any new Trek, which is weird. Hmm. Um, I can't speak to Discovery, but yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, I've watched like the first three, three-ish seasons. There's no Jeffrey's tubes in Picard. No, no, not that I can remember. No, um, but there's like, I mean, DS9. Every other episode takes place in Jeffrey's tube at some point. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, so, I mean, DS9. I feel like had the least sets of any of the Star Trek shows, so they really had to get the mileage out of those. sets. Actually, not true. Really? Uh, they spent the most by far on the sets for it the de- DS9. It definitely felt like they had less so, sets. So though. the actual promenade is like a full series mm-hmm. of sets. Like Quark's bar is actually attached to the, yeah. the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. It's like a series. It's like a huge soundstage. You should look into it. There's some documentaries and stuff on yeah. it. It's really sick. No, it just seems like they have less variety, though, overall. Uh, seems like it. I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of those Jeffrey Stoops episodes. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, like, I feel like maybe there's less variety because there's more episodes that take place just on DS9, whereas yeah. like not many episodes take place uh, place on any planets except for Bajor until they get the Defiant. You know, this is true. It's a whole it's thing. True. It's it a is. Thing. It is. Okay, so um, do, 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 do. so Spock reports uh, multiple transport signals with several life signs heading towards the bridge. Una orders everyone to battle stations and a lockdown of all of the ship's systems. The pirates make it to the bridge, Yarr! and uh, Una and Ortegas immediately draw phasers and engage the pirates, while Spock protects Aspen by engaging in hand-to-hand combat with them, which is awesome. It is awesome. He, like, like picks a dude up by his throat and, like, throws yeah. him across For, the bridge. Well, first he does, like, two Vulcan neck pinches and yeah. puts dudes out, but then there's one guy who he, like, <laughs> he's like, fuck you in particular, and he, like, yeah, he literally throws him all the way across the bridge and it's then pretty excellent. jumps into the transport tube, which is pretty yeah. sick. Throws him really far. Yeah, he does. Uh, so both Una and Ortega take glancing hits and are captured, uh, while Aspen takes a shot to the shoulder, knocking Spock out of the line of fire and onto the turbo lift. 
Spock has the turbo lift take uh, himself and Aspen to deck four while getting one of the pirate guns and shooting one of the pirates uh, as the turbo lift closes. So back aboard the colonist ship, Pike and the landing party are surrounded by a pirate gang. Uh, and he's like, uh, hold your fire, and they surrender. And uh, we're introduced to their uh, leader in Orion named Remy, who is... The, he's the guy, the rat from Ratatouille. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, his actual character here is like uh, a pirate from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, totally. And, and it's, at, at this moment, yeah. the entire episode basically turns into a crossover between Star Trek and Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, with like a little bit of Die Hard. A little thrown bit, in there. but I mean, it's it's mostly Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, there is at least like four scenes that could have just been written specifically for yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, including this one right here. Yeah. So uh, the the their leader Remy seems bemused and approaches Pike, patting him on the cheek and saying, "Welcome to the Serene Squall." So they got they got they got fooled. Yeah. The colonist ship is actually the Serene Squall. There you go. They got they got fooled. They yep. got got. So we go back to the Enterprise with Spock and Aspen uh, heading towards sick bay. The pirates have captured the bridge crew and are taking them to the transporter room. Spock and Una see each other, and Una shakes her head slightly. Aspen says they're sure to be caught, so Spock hides them in a Jeffrey's tube. In those tubes again. Yep. You know, right in the Jeffrey's tube. Mm-hmm. That's uh, where. That's, that, that's where Tupac wants it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like this. Oh, yeah, this book is talking a lot about uh, Jeffrey's tube play. Mm-hmm. Um, so back aboard the Serene Squall, Pike is being interrogated by the pirates, and they're just, like, punching him and shit. Uh, they're trying to get the codes, his command codes, to disable the Enterprise's lockdown. Mm-hmm. They have some banter back and forth, which is kind of dumb and very Pirates of the Caribbean. They really do, yeah. And then uh, Remy tosses a bowl or a little bit of some gross food, some gruel, into Pike's face. He's like, you eat that shit? That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Remy explains it's an Orion specialty and the crew loves it, but the crew obviously doesn't love it. It shows their they faces. Just cut, and like, well, they just Ugh. cut to mostly that one woman that they also cut to you later. And yeah, she's there's, like, a, there's a few guys. Yes, you know, there are yeah. a few guys, but it's like they cut to that one woman and she's like, yeah. Um, so Pike offers to show the pirates what real food is if his crew is treated well and offers to discuss the command codes over dinner. Remy is not interested and threatens to throw the crew out of the airlock. A female pirate then, uh, this this uh, black lady with really cool hair and this cool earring thing. The one I was just mentioning. Yeah, she speaks up and mentions they're in a safe place in space and the Enterprise isn't going anywhere, so they should take Pike up on the offer. So now we're back with uh, Chapel on the Enterprise and she's crawling out that Jeffrey's tube because oh, she's, yeah. she's already come a bunch and gets to the computer terminal to send a distress call. But the comms are still down due to the lockdown. The security lockdown. Mm-hmm. Two pirates appear to capture her, and they tell her, uh, uh, sorry, two pirates appear and capture her, and they tell her to drop her weapons. She says she doesn't have any weapons, but she actually has some hypo spray in her sleeve and quickly incapacitates both of the pirates with it. Knocks them out. I uh-huh. like that scene. Yeah, that was scene pretty was cool. That was, that was actually a competently done Trek action scene, I thought. Yeah. Like, it made sense what she was doing and why she was doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. She goes back into the Jeffreys tube again, and uh, this is the one thing that d- didn't make sense here is that she didn't take one of their weapons. That's true. That's true. She just kept with the hypo spray, which okay, sure, but like you should have grabbed the weapon. Yeah, because they already know someone's on the loose if they find him passed out. Yeah, yeah. So, there would be no reason to leave it. But yeah. instead, she uh, she jumps back into the Jeffreys tube after she hears a door opening. So 
Back with Pike, he's uh, on the uh, Serene Squall here, and uh, they agreed to his terms, and he's serving a meal to the pirate crew, like a big bowl of chili. Yeah, he made like a big pot of chili, mm-hmm. and he's like ladling it out to the dudes. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, he yeah. gave him dinner. Yeah, cool. Re- Remy says it's edible, but Remy has very high standards for food but because he's a rat chef. From, re- from the from Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Pike says it wouldn't hurt for enemies to compliment each other once in a while and says Remy seems too intelligent to take much lip from his crew. Mm-hmm. Remy says Pike should worry about his own crew. Pike leans in and says that although they're outside of Federation space, hijacking the Enterprise will bring down the full weight of Starfleet on the pirate's shoulders. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'll just sell it then. He's like, do you really think somebody's going to buy this and then mm-hmm. and he's like, get annihilated plenty, by yeah. fucking Starfleet? He's like, like, there's plenty of buyers, but even if we can't sell the ship... Like, we have other things to sell. We could sell your fucking crew as slaves to the Klingons. Oh, shit. And uh, Pike says that if they try to make a deal with the Klingons, they're going to get themselves killed. To which Remy replies, he knows what he's doing. And then that lady, the black lady from earlier, she looks up and gives, like, a face. Like she's she, like, Yeah, uh, a face, like, definitely. I don't want to be sold to the Klingons. Yeah, and then, and then uh, as he leaves, Pike grows a sly grin. He's got a plan. He's got some wheels working, baby. got a baby. Pike plan. Pike plan. Uh, back with Spock and Aspen on the Enterprise. They're in sickbay, and Spock heals Aspen's phaser wound. He says the pirates had their phasers on stun since they clearly wanted the crew alive. Mm-hmm. Spock enters Mbenga's office, uh, sorry, Lubega's office, yep. and uh, notices a stack of unsold Mambo number no. five singles. Yeah. A little, uh, bit of, little bit of CDs. A little bit of CDs in his life. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, he, but he also notices that the lockdown is still in effect, but the pirates uh, have, sorry, yeah, uh, notices the lockdown is still in effect and the pirates have claimed the ship's systems. Aspen asks about escape pods, but Spock is animate. They retake the Enterprise. Yeah. Aspen disagrees, and Spock seems to think they have a closer connection with the pirates than they're leading on. Uh, Aspen admits that their husband, a Vulcan, led an aid mission that was sabotaged by the pirates, and he lost, Mm -hmm. which is why they left Starfleet in the first place. They say that their husband was also a Vulcan, um... And they, uh, like, they couldn't run away because they were too Vulcan, basically. So sure. Spock, you're too Vulcan to run away. Yeah, you t- just, yeah, that would be a logical, thing, which is right? Fight to the death. I don't think the that's, most logical Vulcan thing. Yeah, right. To do. I didn't get that too much. That didn't but, really okay. make a lot so, of sense. So Spock gets a supply case with a phaser and some communicators in it, or two phasers and two communicators in it, and says the Jeffries tubes would take them to engineering where uh, he could override the security lockdowns and send a distress signal. Mm-hmm. He hands Aspen a phaser, which uh, Aspen tries to refuse, but Spock assures that they are a fighter. Mm-hmm. So we are back on the squall, back to Pirates of the Caribbean. Indeed. Pike is tossed into a pirate cage with the rest of his away team. And the and just and just other members of the crew. So like uh, Lou Bega's there mm-hmm. in the in the yeah. cage, and, and number one's there as well. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. They I guess they transported them over when we weren't looking because they yeah. got you know uh, yeah captured on the bridge. They got got. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I was thinking about this while we were watching it. I was like, because huh. yeah, they never showed that, but I'm fine yeah. with them not showing that. It, it makes enough sense. So That's fine. Yeah. Um. So they're like, oh, did you get your brain scrambled, Pike? And uh, Bega examines him and says, eh, his brain is fine. Um, Pike says he's convinced that the pirate uh, he's convinced the pirates to sell them to the Klingons. 
and Ortega's asks Mbenga uh, if he got a bad reading, and Pike is actually crazy. But Una realizes realizes now what exactly what Pike is doing, Alpha mentioning Braga. Alpha Braga Four, which is definitely an homage to Brandon Brandon Braga, right? Definitely. Uh, very famous, very iconic uh, Star Trek producer of uh, I want to say DS Nine Voyager and yeah. some uh, uh, Enterprise, maybe. I don't know if he was on Enterprise because he did the last season of Voyager because like Berman and Jerry Taylor left at that point. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if he ever went to Voyager, but anyway. Um, so Lawn asks what uh, Alpha Braga Four is. And Una explains that Brandon Braga's penis is four inches, which is why they refer oh. to it as Braga Four. Yeah, that's uh, true. No. <laughs> so Una actually Facts. explains that uh, Pike is setting up the pirate crew for a mutiny, which yep. is kind of a fun idea. I just wish it's they also didn't... a very Pirates of the Caribbean. Idea. Yeah, I just wish they didn't do it in the context of space Pirates of the Caribbean. Like it's so Pirates like. The the captain, the Orion guy, uh, he looks just like a fucking pirate. Yeah, like, he has like the the dreadlocks and everything, and a big beard, and, and he like, like wears a big overcoat and shit. Some of the dudes on the on the sh- on the Enterprise too look like fucking dirty ass pirates. They're dirty. Dudes. Why They're are they so dirty? Dirty. You got a sonic shower somewhere in that ship, right? Like, well, I mean, are... who knows how do, how do those guys shit? How do those guys shower? We that's, don't see it. True. We don't know. Sonic shit. Show sonic us shower. them shitting. Yeah, Akiva Goldsman. Yeah, Akiva Alex Goldsman. Kurtzman. Like, show like, us the bathroom. You already, show us the toilet. Right, you already confirmed that Klingons have two penises. You took mm-hmm. that bold decision. Yeah, we need you to take an even bolder decision and show Talk about space poop. A crew member yep. taking a fat fucking dump. I don't yep. care who it is. Yep, I really don't. Yep, I think it'd be funniest if it was like probably Mbenga. <laughs> That's the way I thought. I think he would take the funniest poop. He'd be like in the African accent. He'd be like, oh my God. Oh <laughs> my God. Oh boy. That's a big one coming. Like, it'd be, yeah, yeah, it'd be, yeah. It'd be like, uh, oh, big log number five. There you go. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Spock and Aspen back on the Enterprise reach engineering and find some unconscious pirates along with someone trying to access the computer, who turns out to be Chapel. Yep. Uh, she's been trying to send a distress signal, but the lockdown is not allowing it. Spock uses his command codes to end the lockdown and transfer ship control to engineering. He scans the squall while Chapel works on comms and Aspen works on the transporter situation. But for some reason, ship control is rerouted back to the bridge. Mm-hmm. And suddenly... Aspen is holding phasers against Spock and Chapel, revealing themselves as Captain Angel of the Serene Squall. So they got fucking crossed here. Fucking, and I gotta say, I love a gay villain. And they gave us a gay villain. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, whoever made that decision. That's true, though... They're like a Disney level, like snarky gay villain. It is a very Disney villain, and I'm fine like, with that. They're like Space Jafar, which is fine sure. with me. Fine yeah. with me. Like it's not my favorite type of Star Trek villain, but they didn't completely mishandle it after this point. I don't think. Mm. Um. So Spock, Chapel, and Aspen now. Uh. Now. Um. So Spock, Chapel, and Aspen. Now that uh, Aspen has been revealed to be Captain Angel, arrive on the bridge. And Spock feels very deceived. Mm-hmm. Angel mocks him for his feelings and says he's cute. 
Spock says feelings are not of his concern, but rather the safety of the ship and her crew. But Angel finds, uh, which Angel finds impressive even without the Colonard ritual. Chapel asks about the real Dr. Aspen, and Angel says that they were dumped on an uninhabited planet. Like, at least up. I didn't kill them. Yeah, right? Like, um, okay, I guess, sure. They also say that the colonists were a fake and part of the trap. Uh, those 200 people never existed. The pirates test out the ship's phasers, which impress them. <laughs> Spock asks why... Yes, they do. Yeah, Spock asks why they even need the crew if what uh, they uh, Aspen wanted in the first place was the Enterprise. But Angel... Oh, sorry. What Angel wanted in the first place was the Enterprise, but Angel says they had also come for Spock specifically. Oh, yeah. Spock says he will not give them any information, but Angel says that they only need Spock to continue, quote, being, being himself. Spock. Or, yeah, being being Spock. Mm-hmm. They just need you to keep being Spock. So, uh, back at the uh, Akinashtan Katil Criminal Rehabilitation Clinic. Nice pronunciation. Thank you. Tapring continues to supervise criminals when she is approached by Ston with a subspace transmission from the Enterprise. Subspace transmission. Uh, it's Angel who says to Pring is hot for a prison guard, <laughs> which is sick. I mean, that's that's like a very gay villain thing to do, which sure. I really like. Uh, Angel says that they have Spock, and the prison has a Vulcan associate of theirs, uh, Zavarius, and proposes a trade, quote, Vulcan for Vulcan. Zavarius sounds like the name of a Vulcan black metal band. Yeah, Vulcan, or Vulcan for Vulcan could also be a Vulcan hip-hop group. Mm. All right. Uh, Tapring says that's impossible, and she would be disgraced and lose her job for doing such a thing. Angel says they're bound, sorry, Angel says that Tapring is bound by ritual to Spock, and thus she's responsible for him, and she has the choice of either losing a prisoner or losing Spock. Fuck. Yeah, right? Hard hard ethical dilemma there. To between says, a rock and a hard place. Uh-huh. Between a cock and a Spock place. Um, true. Tapring says she will not be intimidated, but Angel gives uh, their coordinates on the Edo Federation space to make the trade anyways, saying that Tapring... Uh, saying that if Tapring involves the Federation, that they will kill Spock. Angel then sets a course for the Federation border mm-hmm. and turns turns off the transmission. Spock says that Vulcans are not influenced by emotions, to which Angel replies that Spock has been tricked by his emotions all day, which I thought was actually really good writing, because he kind of was. And she kind of runs down how he was tricked. Yeah. Um like, hey, I've been manipulating you because you know, I told you all these sob stories about colonists. Mm-hmm. Got you to do what I wanted you to do, and now I have control of your ship. So I yeah. controlled you through emotions. You right. ding dong. And then, uh, and then Angel says that they're not sure if it's because uh, he's part Vulcan or part human or both. Spock points out the irony of Angel questioning his identity when theirs is entirely fabricated, but mm-hmm. Angel says that they never lied and only fudged a detail or two. Sure. Uh, they admit that although they lost their husband, it was to a Vulcan prison, not to a Vulcan battle. Chapel asks whether Angel has hijacked a Federation ship and was attempting to blackmail Vulcans simply for love. Angel replies that love was the only thing that made 
the cold loneliness of space bearable and could right. see in chapels, quote, rock hard eyes. Yeah, rock hard eyes. Rock hard eyes. Weird line. Weird That's, line. Uh, that that chapel knows that too. You ever seen hard eyes IRL? Um, not really. I don't. Me, I don't think I have hard eyes. Like erect eyes. Yeah, like hard eyes, dude. Like, like baby, eyes, my them, eyes are. The uh, eyes have got a boner. You know, you know what that is. That's uh, you know, when the fucking like the wolf is at the club and he sees the dancer and his like tongue rolls out and his eyes pop out. Those are hard eyes. Those are definitely no. Are those ex- are those are extended eyes. Those yeah. Are, are, How do you think they extend? Eyes, maybe that's what I'm saying. Those are but hard eyes. That's like a that's, hard penis, Spencer. I, I don't know if that's like a hard penis. How do you think it, it gets engorged with blood, Spencer? It's erect. Those are hard <laughs> eyes. Are you kidding me? Those seem more. It like, makes sense. How those, can you? You are. This is so logical. What I'm laying out for you <laughs> is a syllogism, Spencer. Like it, just. It seems like they're like more like stretchy eyes than they no, are like no you know, hard hard eyes. No. They don't, his eyes okay. are getting horny, both of them, like a Klingon's dick, like popping out. Like a Vulcan's dick, like a Vulcan's butthole in this case. Yeah, I guess so. It's yeah. puckered up like a Vulcan's butthole. Exactly. All right. Fair enough. <sighs> Those rock hard eyes puckering up like a Vulcan's butthole. <laughs> um, so, and then uh, Angel says that they firmly believe uh, to bring Will be on the edge of space and you know, make this deal go through. So they firmly believe very firmly back on the squall. The pirates are serving this weird gruel to the enterprise crew. And they actually did accidentally get a whole bunch on the bars. A bar of like the the cage. There's like a whole smear of it. Like it's just like, down the bar. No, there's like a bar that's just like covered in fucking oatmeal. And yeah. I'm like, didn't a, couldn't a production designer like maybe wipe it off? And so we just like joked about the gruel bar yeah, for like, like five we, minutes. We, if like you're gonna eat the gruel that's still on the bar, yeah. Like, is anyone gonna anyone gonna finish that bar? Anybody <laughs> gonna finish that gar- bar gruel? Bar gruel. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. We love bar gruel. So we do. Um, Best part of the episode. Yeah, easily. So the Enterprise crew and uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Remy announces to the Enterprise crew that they're headed to a Klingon colony to sell quote unquote. Cargo, which he clearly means them. Uh, Pike questions if Remy has what it takes to negotiate with Klingons. And Una says that uh, he can't cook. And then Mbenga says that there are signs of malnourishment within the crew. Pike blames this on Remy as captain. The female pirate from earlier informs Pike that Remy isn't, in fact, the captain. And Pike and Una kind of give a look to each other. Una asks if Remy was willing to unilaterally... uh, Sorry, if... Remy was willing to unilaterally change plans like this, who else he would turn on for his own will, especially mm-hmm. if things didn't go the way that they thought they would with the Klingons. Yep. The lady pirate is confident in herself, but Pike asks about the rest of the crew and points out that her caring about the rest of the crew makes her better captain material than Remy. The female pirate seems to be questioning herself, but then walks away. We go back to the Enterprise. A Vulcan cruiser arrives at the coordinates to meet with the Enterprise uh, on the edge of uh, Federation space. Angel compliments to Pring on making a logical decision and tells her to prepare transport to trade the lovers. Yeah. Excuse me. Spock is able to quickly deduce that they're trading him for, uh, exactly who they're trading him for, and tells to Pring not to do it. Mm-hmm. Angel shoots him with a phaser and says... If they don't get uh, Zavarius in 10 minutes, that the next shot will be lethal. Oh, yeah. So Spock regains consciousness, and Chapel tells him to take it easy, but he springs right up. Angel yeah, gives to Pring 
their word that Spock won't be harmed if they get Zavarius. Spock apologizes in advance to Chapel and tells her to take his lead. He loudly tells T'Pring that she was right, and he's given in to his human side. T'Pring is confused, but Chapel pipes us to confess to having an affair with Spock. Mm-hmm. Angel sees through this and says it's a ruse, but Spock kisses Chapel to prove their love. Makes it very passionate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, like, make out. Uh, yeah, they do. And I was like, yeah, someone better get a mop or a towel there, because mm-hmm. like, Chapel just, like, you know, wet that shit up. <laughs> Water works, baby! It's actually pee. Uh, T'Pring, nice. <laughs> T'Pring appears convinced, and Angel offers to beam her aboard to straighten things out, which is a weird decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, T'Pring says in light of this information from Spock that they should break their mating bond, and they do so in ritual fashion. So she yeah, no do, longer has like a responsibility Break up, and they're like, later. Yeah, yeah. they do the, the Spocker shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Uh, Eight-inch cocker. Uh, so Angel is pissed and orders their crew to destroy T'Pring's transport, but the weapons and shields are suddenly locked. Mm-hmm. Right about then, the serene squall comes out of warp and opens fire on them. Hailing them, Pike is at the helm with Una and Ortegas at the consoles. Pike says, I'm only going to tell you this once. Get the hell out of my chair. Which, although it was actually very fucking, like... Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I kind of like that moment. I don't know. Yeah, I just find fine. Pike charming. We, we like Pike. Yep. We do. The, the squall fires on the Enterprise to disable the impulse thrusters. And uh, Pike's like, hey, Ortegas, like, fire gently. Uh, but it does more damage the, than expected. And Ortegas sarcastically asks exactly what firing gently means, mm. which was a little soy. Stop giving Ortegas the soy lines. So, soy Tegas. Um, oh, my God. Uh, you you're lot you've lost it. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I'm doing a Star Trek podcast. We already know this. Uh, yeah, Enterprise has now lost all propulsion, and Spock says it's only logical for the pirates to surrender. Mm-hmm. Angel says there's more to life than logic, and suspects that Spock also believes this. They say, for what it's worth, they enjoyed meeting Spock, and Zavarius talked about him often. Angel says choosing to be human or Vulcan is a false dichotomy. And the question is not what Spock is, but who Spock is, which I thought was some great dialogue. That's not, that's good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, Angel activates a hidden transporter and transports to the ship that was anchored to the asteroid from earlier, the little spider ship, and immediately warps away. Spike hails the Enterprise and asks for an update. Spock is now the captain in the captain's chair and says... He's about to beam them back. There's still some phaser fire and ruckus going on in the background. Yep. Um, and in the squall. And Una says they might have taken the bridge a little prematurely. Uh, like Spock comes. Oh, that's hey. why hey, that's what Tupring's trying to spice things up. That's why she's like, right. hey, maybe, you know, maybe we, we try something else maybe, out. Maybe, maybe if you do it in the butt, it'll be a little less sensitive. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so now we get a captain's log, the first one of the episode, but it's a supplemental. supplemental. Captain's log, supplemental. Starfleet has taken the Serene Squall and its colorful crew into custody, which I was like, eh, maybe not the best choice of words. Uh, although yeah, the whereabouts of Captain Angel remain unknown. And we're back at the bridge, and uh, 
Pike puts on an exaggerated pirate's accent, which is actually really funny. This is a very random scene. Just all of a sudden, it cuts to Pike, and he's in his chair, and he's just like, Yar me, mateys! If we ever catch up with that Captain Angel, we should make them walk the plank. And Una's like, could you please stop? Uh, could could you not? Could you not? Could you not? Um, but Ortegas is struggling not to laugh, which is the only non-soy thing that Ortegas does in this episode. Yeah. Back in Spock's quarters, he's meditating when T'Pring comes in. He apologizes for the chapel incident, but T'Pring admits it was an impressive gambit to protect both the Enterprise and her reputation. Mm-hmm. Spock is surprised uh, she knew it was a ruse, and she admits she couldn't believe Spock would actually have feelings for chapel. Yep. She says his human side is a source of strength, believing he could never have sold the chapel kiss without it. She kisses Spock, and the two agree to perform a rebonding ritual. Hey, you know what that means? Butt stuff. Um. So back at sick bay, Spock comes down, goes down. Oh. No, no. Spock comes down and thanks Chapel for her performance on mm-hmm. the bridge. And she's like, oh, yeah, we're just friends. Yeah, and uh, Chapel says lying isn't Spock's strong suit, so she did what she could and doesn't want to talk about it. She's nope. she's obviously conflicted about her feelings for him, but she says she knows a Vulcan like him would never chase another woman while he was engaged because he's a good man. Turns out he's got a bit of a dirty dick. Little bit of a dirty Spock dick. A little bit of a dirty Vulcan uh, dick. A little bit. I mean, maybe that's his human, the human half of his dick. Yeah, the human half is the filthy do, do you, part. Do you think like sure. one of his balls is human and one of them is Vulcan? <laughs> maybe he's got four balls. Mm, interesting. Two, like one a Klingon? Of you, they never actually addressed if Klingons have four balls or just two. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. So, maybe they got two that, that hang down and then like two backups inside Oh, two body. internal? Yeah, internal yeah. balls. Yeah, that's a good idea. So before uh, Spock leaves, Chapel asks about what he had said on the bridge about knowing the identity of the prisoner that Angel oh, wanted released. Yeah. Spock remembers some of the things that Angel had said reminded him of a certain other Vulcan, a child of Sarek, born out of wedlock, who, through though full Vulcan, had rejected the teachings of logic, becoming one of the Vitosh Kator. Mm-hmm. Chapel remembers that Sarek was also Spock's father. Spock confirms this, believing that Zavarius was an assumed name of his half brother, Cybok, who is uh, from fucking uh, Star Trek V. Yep. Which I believe takes like almost 30 years in the future from this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, Vulcans are, they age gracefully and can live to like 200, so whatever. Whatever. Um,. <clears throat> Back at uh, Ankishtan Katil, Tapring and Stan enter Cybok's cell. He is looking out the window at the landscape beyond and turns his head slightly upon hearing their approach. Cut to credits, the end. Boom, done. Um, yeah, this was a pretty good episode. Uh, you know, there wasn't anything really continuity-wise I thought was really bad, except for the fact that, like, I don't know, like, Cybok, they're just kind of bringing him back into the situation out of nowhere. Sure. That's a thing, but I guess they can do that, because I don't remember Star Trek V all the way, but if I remember, like, I don't I don't think Spock had seen him in, like, the last at least 30 years, probably longer. I didn't hate this episode, but I definitely don't think it is 
one of the stronger episodes of this season. It's like, I'd say it's like an average episode of the season. I'd say it's about as good as like the second episode, something like that. I was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's like, around the it, same. It's a solid for me, like a seven, fine. seven and a half. My, my okay. main criticisms of this one is so much of it focuses on like feelings, uh, which it just not my favorite Star Trek episodes. True. I mean, focus on feelings. It, it did have very streamlined plots in that we only really actually had two plot lines, which well, is nice. I mean, I guess we had like different people we were following at different times because like yeah. Spock meets up with Chapel and certain things, but realistically, we only really have kind of the Pike on the other ship and Spock on the Enterprise. Though I, I feel like the handling of the that story mm-hmm. was pretty clumsy. Like the whole thing of how like. We never really see them get onto the ship. They just show up. We never really see the yeah. crew get moved onto the other ship. They just kind of show up in cages. Mm-hmm. It never really explains that the ships have like diverged and like the the in, the Enterprise goes out to like meet up with Tapring. Well, of, I mean, but it, it's, it's like assumed. I it, think, yeah, but ish. it's not very like clear. Yeah. I felt like like and then so I feel like we're constantly like jumping back and forth between these two plot lines, but mm-hmm. like at different points in their stories, which is. Just a little clumsy in terms of pacing, I thought. But yeah, yeah, it's it's not the best written of the Strange New Worlds episode. Having said that, no. it is, it's it's one of the weaker episodes of it. But the weakest episode of Strange New Worlds is uh, far beyond the best episode of Star Trek Picard. I would agree with that. So yeah, I it's, mean, it's it's still it's better, above better average. Made, yeah, yeah, better made television. Yeah, and I, sure. I'd give it a, I'd say a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. I liked the gay villain. They were very snarky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just like the representation of yep. a gay goth villain. Yep. Um, yeah. So I feel that shit. I would give it two and a half out of five. Okay, I just, just average. I would say just average. Mm-hmm. I, I like I said I didn't hate the episode. Yep. There were things about it that I did like. I really liked. Um, I liked uh, Chapel. You know, beating up the well, not beating up those guys, but like yeah. incapacitating the guys with the uh, with the hypo spray. I thought yeah, that was, was fun. Um, I liked a lot of the Spock scenes. Spock was pretty good in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, the Ortegas Spock, was all cringe. All of the Ortegas was cringe. I really didn't like the like Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. No, it was I, just like that was cringe. That killed a lot of it for weird. me. You know, it, yeah, it, it if felt they like it had just, a, well, it felt like it had a totally different tone than the other story they were telling it, on the Enterprise. No, that, that's like, the thing is it was it, like half of it was literally an episode of a Pirates of the Caribbean show, and I was like. They didn't have to do that. They could have had them be pirates without having them look like pirates like, from Earth. Like, yar. Earth pirates from, these. like, the, the 18th century. We don't need that. Yeah, you that can still dumb. have the joke of Pike doing the, the pirate accent yeah, at the end. But, we don't, like, you we don't, don't need, need dirty guys. To look like and we don't, pirates. don't, we don't need, like, anybody with dreadlocks in the future. Any white guys with dreadlocks. Yeah, we do see a couple of those, yeah. Like, I mean, he's a green guy because he's from Orion, well, but he's obviously no, a white the, guy. There was the white guy with dreadlocks, too. Was he there? was one of the guys that was driving the Enterprise. He's the guy that when they're like, let's test out the phasers, and then they test out the phasers. Oh, right, like, right, 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 oh. yeah, yeah. He's like this dirty white yeah, guy Yeah, he's super dreadlocks. dirty. He's super dirty. Why is he so dirty? He likes fish. So he doesn't oh, the, shower. the band? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah that exactly. makes sense. Okay. Yeah, he likes oh. the band. He doesn't shower. No, fish can't exist in a utopia. I don't believe that. Mm, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're in right. In a post-scarcity yeah. society, we will not have jam band, Spencer. No, that's... Well, I mean, so post-scarcity means post-nitrous scarcity. So oh. I think... Honestly, I think they can exist. I mean, just because <laughs> nitrous exists... I mean, nitrous existed before fish, and it will exist long after fish is gone, Spencer. That's true, but yeah. I think nitrous, you know... Basically means that that jam bands will exist. I mean, if EDM exists in the future, then and Rick and Morty is canon to this universe, Brit, then fucking some don't, kind of 
don't remind me. Don't fucking exists. remind me about Rick and Morty. Up, According to Star Trek Picard season two, <sighs> episode two, Rick and Morty is canon to the Star Trek universe, Brit. Yeah. So I'm just uh, uh, not going to let us forget that. Yeah. yeah uh, whatever. Um, yep. Bad times. Question. Yeah. Where the fuck is Hammer Ben? It's a great question. I don't know. I feel like he hasn't been on the last three episodes. The, his makeup was probably just too expensive, and they're like, eh. He's we'll just... kind of an asshole, too. No one really likes him. You're not, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not, you're not, uh, you don't have very good numbers, Hammer. Sorry, we're cutting you out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, all of these episodes were done before they started airing, so, oh. you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird that they just, yeah, they haven't had Hammer for a while. Yeah. Maybe they've they had need everybody to go get else. a Hammer. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe um, we'll, we'll maybe Hammer will come back as H two later on in the series. Shut up. <laughs> maybe they'll make an electric version. Yeah, there you go. Or yeah. one specifically for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we need. Yeah, did Did you know he was like the first civilian who was allowed to buy a Hummer? Cool. No, that's not cool. Yeah. Whatever. That's yeah, dumb. He can do that if he wants to. I guess. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, I guess. I think it's time for Klingon Word of the Day. Now let's get into it. Let's get into it. The Klingon word of the day for today is ni'im, which means milk. If LGBT activist Harvey Milk was in fact Klingon, his name could have been Harvey Ni'im. Yeah, I love Sean Penn in that one <laughs> Klingon film, Ni'im. <laughs> hey, baby, I like them big mommy milkers. Why don't you come and give me a little taste of Ni'im? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. That's what we got. Yeah, that's that's cool. Well, I uh, guess uh, I guess it's time to uh, get into our uh, random episode, our old episode, our old episode. It's time. Yeah. For our old episode of the day. So uh, let's just get right into it. Let's jump on in. <laughs> Uh, we're on the bridge again. Hey, we're, we're on, on the, we're we're on on the, the bridge of the, the Voyager. USS Voyager here. USS Voyager, indeed. To, uh, talk about a Star Trek Voyager episode. Because, yeah. like, okay, when we don't have two episodes of New Trek to listen to, or sorry, not listen to, but we'll listen to and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, when we don't have two episodes of New Trek to watch per week. Yep. We just use a random number generator to uh, find fi- find a brand new, new episode. To, to find an episode from the entire archive that we haven't ev- talked about of yeah that we haven't so talked everything about. basically yeah. except for picard season two and the six episodes or yeah six episodes we've already watched yep. five episodes sorry yeah um so yeah uh so uh we got uh the number 581 which corresponds to star trek voyager season six episode three the barge, barge of, of the, the dead. dead released uh, on october 6th 1999 uh, this one is written 
by Brian Fuller, legendary Star Trek producer. Uh, he wrote two episodes of DS9, 20 of Voyager, and three of Discovery. Yep. As well as, uh, I mean, he's a showrunner for fucking uh, tons of different shows. He's, tons of he's stuff, He's just yeah. legendary. He did Hannibal. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite things he did. And also, Ronald D. Moore. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, interestingly enough, the second episode of Voyager that he wrote. In the in last episode of Star Trek he altogether. ever wrote. Yep, indeed. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this one was directed by Mike Vajar, who did <laughs> one episode of TNG, seven of DS9, 13 of Voyager, and 10 episodes of Enterprise. Show Bob's and Vajar. Yeah, show Bo- <laughs> show Mike and Vajar. Um, so he also did uh, episodes of Babylon 5 and The X-Files. So this that guy that, did that all the sci-fi yeah. in the 90s. So, so mm. I mean, he lays dick. Yeah. Obviously. He, he lays he lays pipe for sure. Hell yeah. Let's uh, uh, let's, let's get jump into it. right so, in. So uh this episode starts off we got Bolana Torres. It's a Bolana episode. episode. We love a Bolana episode. She's so interesting. Always. Yeah. I, She's like, so conflicted so, being human that's something and that, like a lot of Star Trek episodes or like a, a lot of Voyager episodes struggle with because the supporting cast outside of the Doctor and Seven of Nine is just not that interesting. Yeah. And uh, it's I mean, Neelix is interesting in a bad way. Tuvok <laughs> is interesting in mostly a bad way, and that he was like a shitty spy, and he's like an ancient man who's just a dickhead mostly. He is mostly a dickhead, yeah. yeah. Um, except he's pretty sick in this episode. So anyway, yes. we open. We've got Belana Torres in a shuttlecraft. She's escaping an ion storm. Ion storm. It's has, always ions. It's always ions. Always. She's lost helm control. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's talking to the Voyager bridge, and they're like, we got you. Just crash into the shuttle bay. You got this. Yeah. She crashes her ship into the shuttle bay. She, she's venting plasma through a port nacelle. Yeah, as you, as you do. As you do when you're fucking your shit up. Uh, Paris rushes, rushes in to check on her vitals after she crashed lands. Why Paris? I don't know. You'd think Why it would not be the, the doctor? doctor? He could just be, like beam there. Right. <laughs> like materialize there. I mean, right? Yeah. Like he's on the ship. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, Paris rushes in, check on her vitals. Well, Paris is like involved with her romantically. Maybe that's That's why. true. That's yeah, true. So. He's like, my baby. Yeah, which I don't know why she would fuck him. He sucks so much. I don't, I don't um, know why he would fuck her. She sucks. He sucks more. No, uh, they both suck. Uh, Tom Paris is a better character than Bologna. No. Tom yep. Paris is the worst character on Voyager. I hate Tom Paris, and I will stand by that. Tom he Paris is not worse than sucks. Neelix. He Go fuck yourself. I love you are Neelix. so wrong. Go fuck yourself. I, 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 I'm, allowed to, I'm allowed to have my opinion. Fired. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to fire you. So I like Neelix a lot more than Tom Paris. Anyways, uh, he's like, you have a minor concussion, mm-hmm. but you'll be fine. Cool. We cut to uh, Janeway. Janeway is chewing her the fuck out. She's like, I told you to return to Voyager and you were like, nah, I'm going to like pursue this multispatial probe. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, we only have one multispatial probe. And then she's I like, I didn't want to lose it. Didn't want to lose it. And then she's like, well, you don't be dumb. Like, don't be fucking do that, doing that shit. And she's like, okay, fine. And then she calls her Lana. And she's yeah, like, she's like, my don't mom be a stupid me Lana. bitch, Lana. She's like, did you call me Lana? I'm like, my mom calls me Lana. That's weird. Like, I mean, she, uh, Bolana always has kind of had mommy issues with Janeway. That's true. That's that's always um, been kind of yeah, present. Totally. So then we cut to uh, Bolana in her room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chakotay comes in to check on her, yep. and he's got a piece of something in his hand. It's like a piece of metal, and it has the Klingon like symbol stamped right. into it. And he's like, 
look, this was wedged in your port nacelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we recovered it. We thought you might want to see it. It's kind of crazy. It's yeah. a, it's a Klingon artifact. Yeah, it appears, appears to be a few centuries old at least. Yeah. Mm. And so he's like, here, you can have it as a souvenir. And she's like, okay. And then it starts to bleed and chant things in Klingon. It does, which is pretty sick. Like it She pretty puts sick. it on a table and then it just starts to bleed and then like it chants Klingon. And, like, and then she like looks at it and gets a weird look on her so, eyes. So, Music swells. Boom, cut to intro. So something I thought was kind of odd here is uh, Bolana was wearing like her comm badge and she was just wearing like pajamas. She mm-hmm. was wearing her comm jab on, on her pajamas. Even though she wasn't on duty and recovering from a minor concussion, and she was in her her, her like quarters, quarters, which she could easily get, you know, any kind of communication. Yeah, there. they would they would page to her quarters, like, and that I was just like, why, why? Mm, yeah, yeah. Anyway, good point. It's weird. Yeah. So, um, uh, cut, yeah. cut to opening credits. Three and a half minutes. Yep. Super short, cold, cold open. I mean, that, that, that's very typical of like older mm-hmm. Trek. I'd Definitely. Say. Like, it, I I want to say like I don't remember a single cold open on any Trek that's longer than like ten minutes. I don't think it really happens. Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. Um. So after intro, we've got Harry Kim helping Torres run scans on the piece of metal, mm-hmm. right? So they're scanning it. Turns out it's super late at night. It's oh three hundred hours. Yeah. In which, the morning, and like, like, but there's like a bunch of people around, yeah, and Harry Kim's the only one complaining. Yeah, it's it's engineering, which is gonna always be busy, you know. Generally, um, there's always got to be people on hand to do. The stuff. Yeah, but Harry Kim is just a little bitch. He's like, it's 3 a.m. I want my baby. And she's like, no, run more scans. And then Neelix shows up and he's like, hey, I'm so happy. And it's 3 a.m. And we're, and we're like, why the fuck are you so like? Because he's Neelix. He's on drugs, dude. He's yeah, like, he's got true. that space meth that he cooks up in his big fucking pot. Neelix does got to be cooking up some weird fucking space yeah, drugs. He's licking space frogs and shit when he finds them. He definitely he licks the space, space toad. Frogs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He rides that toad for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, So he's like, yo, I want to throw a party in honor of you finding this Klingon artifact. It's an artifact yeah. from the Alpha Quadrant, and which was, is it, a weird thing to say because the Klingon homeworld Kronos is in... The beta quadrant. Yeah, just barely in the beta quadrant, but it's but in the still, beta quadrant. It's in the beta quadrant. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, it, it makes sense. It could be, I mean, because part of the uh, the Klingon Empire is in the Alpha Quadrant. So, mm-hmm. as long as it didn't come from Kronos specifically, it could it definitely could have, come, have come from the Alpha it, Quadrant. It could have come, yeah. There, it's totally believable. But so, whatever. Still a weird line. But yeah. anyways, he's like, whatever. I want to celebrate it. We're having a Klingon celebration. I have replicated mm-hmm. five barrels of blood wine. Yep. Which we didn't know you could do, but apparently you can do. Yeah, that. yeah. I thought I thought bloodline was uh, bloodline. Blood wine was one of those things that you couldn't really replicate, mm-hmm. uh, but apparently you can. Yeah, which is yeah, like yeah, yeah. all right, whatever. Okay, whatever. Um, we've got Tuvok and Taurus are talking, you know, in, in Tuvok's quarters, and Tuvok's like, "Look, this is a subconscious manifestation. Mm-hmm. It is completely psychosomatic." You just don't want to be a Klingon. You just hate Klingons, and that's mm-hmm. why you're like manifesting all this weird shit imagining that you're seeing stuff coming from the mm-hmm. the piece of metal. And then he pulls out a fucking batleth and he tries it's... to hand it to her and he's like take the batleth and she's like no. Yeah. And she's he's like a real klingon would fucking take this batleth and be a goddamn warrior, you dumb bitch. Then he just starts doing these sick batleth Yeah. and like he, he does batleth kata. And then he fucking... fucking cuts her in the face with the batleth. And he's like yeah, he's like a fucking true klingon would fucking kill me right now. And then she's like, uh, I'm going to go to the party. And he's like, take your honor with you. Yeah, which is a sick line. Dude, Tuvok is so sick, sick he, like, here. He yells at her yeah. and is like fucking it's super which crazy. Which makes me think maybe Tuvok would have been a better Klingon. 
he would be great. Like Tim, Tim Russ is a good actor, yeah. and I like him when he's on because he's been really on. I don't love Tuvok, but Tuvok's I think just he, a boring character. Unfortunately. Yeah, he, I think he would really kill as a Klingon. Definitely, um, definitely. I would agree that I would yeah. agree with that. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, she goes Klingon to the party. She goes to the Klingon party. Uh, Steve, uh, Seven and I almost said Steven. Seven and the Steven Doctor and are singing uh, Klingon songs. Steven no, no, of no, Nine. no, the Doctor is singing Klingon songs, and uh, yeah. Seven of Nine's like, "How about not?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. Oh. Um, so he's wanting to sing these Klingon songs, whatever. Stephen of Jobs. Mm, there you go. Yeah, um, there you go. Uh, Neelix replicates Gach, mm. which is cool. And then he's talking about how he used a like kin- kinetic enhancer or something. Yeah, to make, to it, make like, it actually move, wiggling because it's replicated and not live. Like because Gach is, is like firms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, firms, firms. Yeah, firm, firm penises. Firm worms. Firm, firm worms. Fir- yeah. That's the different. It's like a firmware, but a Trojan horse. Yeah, okay. Um, so then we got uh, Taurus and Paris are talking, mm-hmm. and she's telling him about how when she was young, her mom was trying to push all this Klingon shit on her, mm-hmm. and her mom even sent her to a Klingon monastery for a while. Yeah, to try to like force her into the warrior way. Yeah, and she was like, but nah, it's not that good. And then mm-hmm. Janeway comes in and gives a speech. Start, and Starts to do a rousing speech about Klingons. Indeed. And during that, Taurus just literally starts tripping. Yeah, like, she's like start... tripping out. Like Janeway's like, and the the Klingons have a and then fucking like all the lighting changes and it starts to look yeah. like hell. And it's there's so like a sick. fire behind her. And then uh, then Klingons come in and murder everyone in the room. Yeah, and they just t- fucking murder them with Batless. Uh, my favorite like two second clip of all of Voyager happens mm-hmm. here, where fucking Neelix gets fucking murked with a Batless. Yeah, just stabbed straight through oh, the gut with a Batless. I I I had to. I was like Spencer, I need to go pee. But then I just like j- jerked off in like three seconds. I was fucking rock hard. Yeah, you know, rock hard. Yeah, like see, yeah. like like uh, Nurse Chapel's eyes. Yeah, like yeah. Nurse Chapel's eyes. Like yeah, the, the wolf's eyes, eyes yeah. in that one cartoon. Totally. Definitely hard eyes. That's how I felt when I saw Tom Paris get killed. Um, (laughs) I fucking hate Tom Paris. Um, Yeah, but fucking Kanye and Jay-Z did that one song about him. That's true, they did. Yeah, that's Um, that's a good song. It doesn't make me hate Tom Paris less. Uh, So, Taurus falls, and she wakes up in a ship of Klingons. It's like a literal ship. It's like a boat. Yeah, a boat of of Klingon boat. Klingons. And she's like, what the fuck? Who are you? Why am I here where am I? Like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. And then they grab her and they try to brand something onto her face. They do brand something onto her face. No, they try to, but her face doesn't take the mark. Oh, well, yeah, but they, they shove it up against her face mm-hmm. and shit. Yeah, so it like hurts her, but it doesn't burn her. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it doesn't burn it into her face. And so she's like, oh, shit, what the fuck? What's mm-hmm. happening here? Um, So... Uh, she starts talking to some dude that's like sitting down next to her. Like a, another is. prisoner in the ship. Another prisoner on the ship, yeah. Starts talking to him, and he starts to explain, like, hey, this is the, sh- the barge of the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, we are on our way to uh, Grethor, which is Klingon hell. You know, we're, we're souls that could not get to Stovacor, mm-hmm. essentially, Klingon heaven. And uh, he's like, this is where you belong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that, uh, it's the guy that killed everyone. Um, oh, sorry, I wrote this weird. Uh, so the guy that killed everyone in her dream, yes. or whatever, actually freed her from what they call the dream before death, which is like a fake dream when you're close to death. And now she's dead and she's on the, the barge or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so then there are like these beings that are calling to them from the water. And there's like a guy that's like, oh, they're calling me. They're trying to get me to, to go down there. And so he jumps off the ship and he gets fucking eaten. Yeah, by these uh, things. What were they called? I actually didn't write it down. I don't yeah, so, so the dream before death is called Naj. And yeah. uh, the, so it's the Kos Kari are the things that attack from or that, that try to draw you into the water. I'm a big fan of his first album, Illmatic. Uh, Anyways, uh, so she starts wandering around the ship and she starts talking to the guy who is steering the ship. Turns out his name is Kortar. He is the first Klingon and he killed the gods. Yes. So he murdered the gods. He Which is, is sick Klingon. as fuck. Yeah, he's the first Klingon. So he like he holds a place kind of similar to Call S, I guess, but he's more like the, um, mm-hmm. he's more like uh, fucking Hades, I guess, because he like, he rides the boat to the river Styx, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he he captains the boat to the Klingon hell. Yep. Uh, Grethor. Which is pretty tight. And he's like, look, I know who, all about who you are, Belana Torres. And yeah. he's like, I remember when you were just a, a, a young girl and mm-hmm. you almost died drowning in a lake. I remember that. Your mother told you about me. And she's like, yeah, she did. Mm. Like, I can't believe that this is real. And he's mm. like, well, it is fucking real, and you're here, and you're you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. So he tells her that. He tells her, like, you're not supposed to be here. It's not your time. Yeah, it's not your time, although you are dishonored. So you do yes. belong here in a way, because yeah. this is a boat for the Klingon dishonored that are going to the Klingon hell, which is, like, the exact opposite of Stovacor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then... Her fucking mom shows up. Her dead ass Miral. mom Miral. shows well, up, and she's like, "Uh, mom!" And then, boom, she wakes up in sick bay. I mean, it's it's. I I don't know if it actually says much about her in the Klingon or in the series before. I think she assumes that uh, her mom is dead, but it never really addresses it. Hmm. Um, and so, I'm not sure. so her showing up there right then, she's like, "Oh shit! Well, I guess my mom just died too. Fuck." Yeah, fuck. That sucks. Yeah, right. Hate to see it. Wouldn't it suck to have to go to hell with your mom? Definitely. Like, geez. So she wakes up in sick bay. Mm-hmm. Paris and the doctor are like, "Yo, we found you on a shuttle in an ion storm." She's like, "No, no, no, I escaped the ion storm." He's like, "No, you fucking didn't. You were passed the fuck out, and you were almost dead. You were so, in a coma." So all of that that just happened was a dream, basically. Yeah. So it's all mean, a dream. Mm-hmm. I used to read Word Up magazine. Indeed. Um, they they don't know anything about a Klingon artifact. She's like, "What?" But the artifact, blah blah blah. Then Chakotay comes to visit her in her quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, Chakotay she, just keeps on like coming into her quarters. It's, he's, I bet he's, he's been coming into her quarters quite a bit, probably usually when she's not there. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think he's uh, filling up that, that Paris role? I think, mm, I think he, he wishes he was Paris. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know what Chakotay's into. He's very guarded. He's into whatever his, uh, his uh, ancestors are into. Uh, which ones? Because they keep on changing it. I think he was Hopi first, and then, and then he's Sioux or something. And Navajo or something. Yeah, and then, and then eventually he's not tribally affiliated because they fucked it up too much. Yeah. That was always fun. Always fun is how yeah. I describe that. Yeah, he's, definitely. He's, he's a real uh, uh, Chipotle, Chicote. He's a real Chipotle. He's That's very sure. like uh, Americanized uh, indigenous food. Sure. Yes. Uh, more of a Taco Bell, really. Um, yeah, I think a Qdoba, to be fair, or Qdoba. Qdoba. <laughs> John Delance. There you go. Yeah. Qanon Doba. No. <laughs> uh, Qdoba non. Um, uh, so he like she tells him about the Bard of the Dead, and he's like, "Yo, you just need to think about the symbols. You know, this this was a dream. It's trying to tell you something. You need to think about the symbols and interpret them." And he's like, "Look, my grandfather literally thought he could transform into a wolf." 
Which like, is like his grandfather was like from what like twenty two ninety twenty two ninety something like that like, probably. Right? I like, mean, I guess people can live longer at this point, but he was still probably from like the twenty second century at yeah. some point, at very earliest. So yeah. like, I'm like, man, his grandpa was fucking nuts, dude. Yeah, like who the fuck thinks that like that far in the future? I don't know. I guess people believe in QAnon now, so like, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um. Whatever, but that was a weird thing. His, his grandfather was the QAnon shaman. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's why, why he's, he's not really native. That's why he's not tribal. Yeah, affiliated. yeah, that makes he's sense. Part of the where we go, one we go, all tribe. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, nice. We're gonna get kicked off Facebook for that. Yeah. Um, so you th- you think we'll get kicked off of Facebook for spreading right wing conspiracy, Spencer? What well, do you? How do you think they make their money, Spencer? Get I mean, out that, of here. That's true, but they. They, Literally, yeah. Daily Wire mm. like would not really exist without Facebook. That's true. That's true. Um, so like now we cut to Tom Paris and Torres in in engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torres is reading an ancient Klingon scroll about Kalas and Grethor and Sick. the Barge of the Dead. Hell yeah. Um, she thinks that her mother is being punished and that she's being sent to Grethor because of her own dishonor. Yeah, because she refused to walk the warrior's path and yeah. decided to go with the. The, the Maquis, and then Starfleet instead of, you know, being a Klingon. Yeah, which apparently is dishonorable. Yeah. Very dishonorable. I mean, that's pretty... I mean, although, I don't... I mean, they did, like, take away Worf's dishonor, but it was then restored, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's complicated. But then again, yeah, at that point, they actually knew that they had a, uh, an alliance with the Klingons, so I don't know. You remember when you could set your relationship status on Facebook to it's complicated? Yeah. Wow. It's Klingon. It's Klingon. Yeah, that's that would be a better one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, she thinks her mother's being punished, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, Paris, look, got to go back on the barge of the dead. And yep. Paris is like, Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah, that is a fucking stupid He's like, idea. You're baddie. You're a dumb Klingon bitch. Don't fucking do that. Mm-hmm. And then so she goes to Ga- to Janeway to get permission to do it. And Janeway's yep. like. The fuck you're gonna do that? Yeah, like that's no. You're not gonna put yourself in a medically so induced coma. I to revisit a dream you had. That's and, insane. And and she's like, yeah, but it's my religion. Like this is what I believe. And she's like, your religion from like a day ago. Yeah, like and, that's not how this works. And and Janeway's like, it's not real what you saw. And Taurus is like. It was real to me! And somehow this convinces Janeway? Well, no, no. What convinces Janeway is when she is like, Janeway, you're a lot like my mom. I've always thought of you like my mom. Uh, And as a result, I'm grateful that you can be proud of me. I really want my mom to be proud of me, too. And the only way for me to do that is to, like, release her from dishonor so that she can go to Stovacor. And Janeway's like, okay. eh, Okay. Which I don't like. I don't like it when... Starfleet captains have a resolute decision that's a good decision, and then someone convinces them to do otherwise based on an emotional appeal. It's an emotional appeal, which is like, it's so unlike Starfleet captains, and it's especially unlike Janeway, in my opinion. Like, if this was, you know... I don't know, this is kind of like Janeway. I mean, Janeway's a stone-cold bitch for the most part, though, and she's Mm. just like, man, fuck the Prime Directive, we gotta get home. And but so like I mean I guess yeah, earlier I guess, seasons Janeway is like, like that she guess, softens up well, later. I guess I would agree in the sense that Janeway is very always focused on survival of the crew and right. the people under her. As a result, like I also agree that this is a stretch for her right. to agree to purely on that logic yeah, alone. Because like, she is like yeah like looking out for their survival because she has limited re- human resources. I mean she killed two Vicks. 
Yeah. In order to get Tuvok and Neelix back. Because so. she needed both of their roles and didn't want some third counselor bullshit. Mm -hmm. They, You know, she needed a security chief and the most annoying guy on the ship individually. Yeah. You needed those. Yeah. You have to have those roles. You do. Yeah. Um, so Paris then calls her a born again Klingon, which, which is a great I, line. I, I laughed. I like that. that a lot. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Paris is really upset that she wants to do this. Because understandably, it's stupid. Because it's dumb. And then she's <laughs> like, Paris. Don't talk to me like that. I don't care. They have like the least chemistry of two pe any two people. I've no, they ever don't. Seen. No, they don't. Oh yeah, sorry. Chakotay uh, and Seven. They have without a doubt almost almost as little chemistry. Oh, Neelix and Kess also. I mean, they have chemistry. It's just this weird it's controlling a, it's energy. Pre predator chemistry. Yeah. Pre uh, yes, definitely. It's the the kind of chemistry that uh, creates solutions that get you on the sex offender registry list. That's that's true. Yeah. That's true. Do you think there's a space offender registry list? Oh, Neelix definitely, yeah. definitely. We got Neelix on there, Jar Jar Binks. Oh, definitely, Jar Jar uh, Binks. Con. Oh yeah, Con's yeah, a creep. Oh, definitely for sure. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. Because didn't he just like kind of populate like a whole colony by himself? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did uh, a bunch a of fucking. Yeah, he I did so about much that. fucking. Yeah, that's which makes me really wonder, weird. you know, because he had lived for so long, like was Khan like just making daughters and fucking his daughters? Oh yeah, like. You know, oh, do you think no. do you think Laon is oh, all nah. all fucking like inbred and shit, Probably. like an English royalty, like an English muffin? <laughs> the fuck's an English muffin, man? It's weird. Uh, it's it's an American invention. Uh, you know yeah. what they call them in England? Crumpets, muffins. Mm. A crumpet is a a thing that's only cooked on one side instead of baked on both. Hmm. Yeah, uh, crumpets are similar to English muffins, yeah, I've never but different. Had a crumpet, but they're like, they're pretty good. They they're, sound good. They're like yeah. soft on the top, though, which is interesting. They're not okay. like cooked so on like, the top. So like 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 an English muffin split in half. Is kind kind of yeah, or a half cooked English muffin is more what it is because it's pretty thick. Okay, yeah. sounds good. We'll have to have crumpets sometime. Um, so doctor then puts her in a coma, and she immediately shows up on the barge of the dead. Yeah. She's back. She finds her mom pretty quickly. Her oh, mom's and, like... And, and now she's wearing a Klingon uniform. Yeah. Which is badass. It is. It looks really good. Which yeah. it ma makes me wonder why she wasn't wearing one before. She was wearing a Starfleet uniform. Right, exactly. Which is like, why? That's a good question. Yeah, that's that was a constant. Maybe it's thing. like uh, in line with like her belief system, right? She was oh, so she like... finally started believing in the, the Kales religion. So like suddenly she's wearing the arm. I don't... Yeah, whatever. And fine, whatever. Fine. We'll we'll overlook that. Stupid. And whatever is a good way of yeah. putting it. Uh, mm -hmm. I would agree. So, um, she finds her mom. Her mom's like, "Yo, what what the fuck are you doing here?" And she's like, "Well, I want to like you know undo your dishonor, right? I want to send you to Stovacor." Mm -hmm. And her mom's like, "I don't want you to use some kind of trick to do that. Like, I don't want you to use your Starfleet BS. You don't understand what it's like to be Klingon. Right? Like, you're a poser." I hate this. You're dumb. And yeah. Balana's like, well, fuck you, mom. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. But then Kortar immediately finds them and is like, Kortar's so cool, dude. Kortar's so fucking cool. And he's wearing these, like, enormous fucking goth boots, like dude, giant dogs. So big. Dude, he's so cool. And he's, like, taller than everyone else. Oh, he looks, God. He just looks so badass. Like, he, Kortar is goth knight. Yeah, he's Kortar, Klingon goth knight. Kortar is, is goth knight for sure. Hell yeah. Uh, he's super sick. And so Kortar finds him. He's like, nah, I'm not going to let your mom go to, to Stovacor unless mm -hmm. you go to Greythor right. right now. And if you go to Greythor, your friends will not be able to save you. Yeah, because she has to take her mother's dishonor uh, because she's dishonored her mother. Mm -hmm. She has to take her place. And he's like, look, I know about the trick you're trying to pull. I can't, I'm not going to let you pull it. So yeah. 
you know, you can do this. You can take her place and you can die for your mom so that she can go to Stovacor. But that's it. Yeah, you're you not going to wake up. Like, you're your not gonna people aren't going to save you. You're going to be in Grethor. For sure. You're going to burn, bitch. Yeah, you're going to burn. So she's like, look, I will take my mother's place. Mm-hmm. I will I will take her dishonor. I will go to Grethor. Send my mom to Stovacor. And then Kortar's like, all right, fuck yeah. Later, mom. And the mom's like, fuck you. No, I don't agree. I don't agree. And then she gets sent to Stovacor. Yeah, but then Kortor's like, uh, too bad you don't agree. The fucking transference is already complete. Have mm-hmm. fun in Stovacor, bitch. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. No. Um, so then the, the ship arrives at Graythor, which is the coolest looking place. It's so cool. It has a it has an inverted Klingon symbol on the gate. Yeah, it's like And then the gate's gate. open, and it's all CGI just fire, fire. Just fire. All CGI fire. Yeah. Yeah, oh, God, it's so good. It's pretty awesome. It oh. looks really good. And so then they like put a plank out, and they're like, "Palana, walk this plank. Jump off. Go into Graythor." Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, "I don't wanna." And but then, and then the guard that's like guarding uh the plank mm-hmm. or whatever, like guarding her getting back on the ship, like yeah. turns into Tuvok. Yeah. And then like swings a batleth at her, and she like falls into uh into Graythor. God, fake Klingon Tuvok is so cool. Yeah. I just love seeing Tuvok with a batleth. Like, I, I agree. Tuvok should have always had a batleth. Like, yeah. His character would have been cool if he was, like, maybe a Vulcan who, like, uh, only lived on Klingon or one of their colonies for a while. Or if he was, like, a Klingon slave for a long time. Oh, yeah. But then, like, learned their ways and learned how to escape or became one of them. Or, I don't know. There's so many cool things. That, that would be cool. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. Instead yeah. of just old former spy Vulcan, which I'm like... I mean, that's kind of like a Garak character combined with a Spock, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then she, like, shows up in, like, the sick bay of an alternate Voyager. Yes. You can tell it's alternate because the lights are all weird. Uh, and there's, like, candles, too. There's, like, candles. And there's and candles in the med bay. <laughs> as, as, you, as you do. Yeah. Um, I mean, the know. Doctor and Neelix welcome her to Grethor. Mm-hmm. Grethor. And then they, uh, then the doctor, or no, sorry, Neelix tells her that it, she's getting going to get ready for an eternity aboard Voyager. And she's like, I don't think of Voyager as hell. And he's like, you will. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to real life. And in real life, she's dying. Right. Uh, the doctor, Janeway, the and bay. Paris yeah. are trying to save her. And they're like, we're going to do direct cortical stimulation, blah, blah, blah. Trying to save her. Um, yep. And then cuts back to... Uh, to Balana, and she's at like the the alternate Klingon party. It's like the Klingon party from before, but Klingon party in hell. The Klingon party in hell, mm-hmm. and uh, Janeway is giving a speech about how shitty Balana is. Mm-hmm. She's like giving the speech about how much she sucks. Yeah, and then everybody in the crew starts telling Balana how much she sucks. It's great actually, because yeah. I'm like, hey, this is what everyone who's watching yeah, I believes. Like, I kind of agree. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I bet Ronald D. Moore wrote this shit. I, I was bet like, he was, I was like, like Damn, these, these I'm going to show these spitting. motherfuckers exactly what's wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, it was pretty fucking sick. It um, was pretty fucking sick. Yeah. Um, so they're like um, telling her how she's all shitty and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, then she like goes into another room that's like the boat. It's mm-hmm. like the the hull of the boat from earlier, the barge right. of the dead. Right. But her mom is dressed up like Janeway. Right. And so. Her mom is te- is talking to her, and she tells her that, or uh, sorry, Balana is like, I, I want to save you from your dishonor. And then her mom, just as Janeway, is like, No, you can't save me from my dishonor until you lean to until you learn to free yourself. Right. And she's like, Okay. 
uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And then her mom walks away. Mm-hmm. And then she goes up to the bridge, or sorry, not the bridge, but the uh, the deck of the barge. Mm-hmm. But instead of there being Klingons, it's all of the crew from Voyager. Right. Um, Tuvok gives her a bat lift. Yes. And she and he's like, you know what to do. A real Klingon will defend themselves. Right. And, and then so she, they're like, he's he's like egging her to fucking kill all the crew members of the Voyager. Yeah. Which is sick. And I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, it would have been tight. But Especially Neelix. Instead, that does not happen. She no! throws it overboard, and it lands in some very CGI water. It's some like red ass CGI water. It's the fun. I commented on it. It's the funniest looking CGI water I've seen in years. It's pretty good looking CGI water. It's, I like it's, it. It's it was good in the sense of like like early two thousands like shitty yeah, sci-fi it's shitty. TV. It, it looks like a shitty like screensaver that you'd get it on. Does. What does. was that website with all the CGI screensavers? Remember that? No. God, it was so funny. It's so, yeah, but so like, early 2000s. It does look like an early 2000s screensaver. It's, mm-hmm. it's very cheesy looking. I, I love it. I'm here for it. I wish they still made I, Star Trek in 4x3. Just saying. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, haters going to hate, as they do. I do. I do. Yeah, that, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so she throws it into the water. She like like falls onto her knees, and she's like crying. Mm-hmm. And then she and then her mom shows up, and she makes up with her mom. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Mom, I've freed you from your dishonor. And then the mom's like, Yeah, I, I can see that, you know, you're good. You're good to cling on, and I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. And then she wakes up in sick bay. Uh, right before that, though, uh, her mom tells her to choose to live. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Saying yeah. that they will meet again. Mm-hmm. Taurus asks if her mom is in Stovacor, uh, to which uh, Miral, her mom, says, uh, Possibly, or maybe we'll meet again. When you get back to Earth, implying that her mom might still be alive. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, right, thank you for that. And then, so she wakes up. She's in sick bay, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh my God, we thought we lost you." And she doesn't say anything. She just looks up and she sees Janeway, and she hugs Janeway. No, no, she says, "Mom." I oh, I didn't even hear. Yeah, her say she that. she says, "Mom." That's, that's the only thing she says when she wakes up. She says, "Mom," and then looks at Janeway, and then she gives Janeway a big hug. Cut to credits. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yep. What an episode. There's there's a lot of good moments in this one. There's a lot of good honest, moments. Honest, yeah. I don't know if the whole contiguous episode really holds itself together that way that well. The pacing is super weird. Pacing it ends weird. very abruptly. Yeah. Uh, I liked some of the characters and ideas they introduced here, and the, and the sets and like the sets, general like cool. aesthetic of it was yeah. really cool. Yeah, like it's it's very much a Ronald D. Moore thought up episode. It's definitely, definitely like very goes into like Klingon lore. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of references to Klingon lore that are actually direct references to other episodes, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. Uh, the, the all the Klingon stuff is generally pretty cool. The the shakeup though, like like tor- like maybe two thirds of the way through, where we find out that like. Most of it is a dream, and then like we got to go back to the dream. That's when it kind of starts to fall apart. I feel like up until that point, it was pretty strong, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that choice is like not great. Yeah. That said, there are some good moments in this. Good episode. moments. I love fucking Klingon ass Tuvok. Dude, that's Klingon my Tuvok. favorite part of the Dude, episode. Yeah, the scene with uh, Torres and Tuvok where they're in his chambers mm-hmm. and he's yelling at her and yeah. like swinging the bat with at her is fucking awesome yeah it's really like cool. it rules and he's like doing all these fucking bat lift moves and he just mm-hmm. looks all badass it yeah that that part rocks i really like the tuvok parts in this episode so interestingly enough uh this episode was originally intended for ds9 Uh-oh. and it was originally intended to be a wharf episode uh 
that eventually became uh, Soldiers of the Empire. Oh. Yeah, which is super interesting. But, uh, like, Stephen, or Ira Stephen Bear was like, eh, maybe we'll get to it, and it just ended up in Voyager. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I would say a pretty solid Voyager episode. One of the, like, above, definitely above average Voyager episode, for sure. Um, uh, I'd say it's about average. Like, it's, it's above average. It's, nah, nah, like, I don't know. It's, I guess it's maybe about average for a Voyager episode, but, like, for Trek in general, I think it's maybe a little below average. It's fine, but, like, I mean, it doesn't really advance anything. Well, I it mean, doesn't advance a story. It gives a little backstory to Balana, but I don't know if they ever even bring her mother up again. I, I don't know. I don't either. think they do. It, I don't think they resolve like this. So long since I've watched it. So I don't yeah, know. and so um, so it's like a, a standalone episode that really doesn't have any impact on anything, even though it sets and itself the, up. For and them. the story is kind of clumsily handled in a the episode. Bit. It feels like yeah. a little overstuffed. Like like you said, it ends really abruptly, and like the resolution really didn't feel like it was there. Right, and also like it is a strictly Balana episode in in the fact that the only other three characters who are not uh, false versions of themselves that we ever see are Janeway, Paris, and uh, two, no, the Doctor. No, two, the Doctor, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is eh, fine. But oh, we see Harry. Kim- well, no, no, I guess we don't no, see no, that was no. a that was we a fake Harry Kim. Yeah, yeah, Harry Kim's only in like. A very one scene of this episode, which is nice. Yeah, very little I mean, Harry Kim. And you know, it's a it's a Harry Kim in hell, but I feel like Harry Kim has always been in hell. Yeah, that's true. The hell of not being able to get promoted and get laid. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Maybe you should shave his Kim. Oh. Mm. No. Uh, that being said, I I still liked this episode, mm. and I think that a lot of the reasons I like this episode is I like, uh, I like. Voyager, I do. I, li- I like Voyager. It's not one of my, it's not my favorite of the Trek series, but mm-hmm. I do like it. It's nice to see it. Um, I think it's a pretty solid Voyager episode, and I did enjoy it as such. That, therefore, I would say this is my Trek episode of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this one better than the Strange New World episode that we watched. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, that being said, you know, I I agree. It's it's a flawed episode. It, yeah. it has problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not perfect. Uh, but it is interesting, especially in contrast with the the newer Trek episode, right? Like, yeah, it, as far as like lore goes, it's very interesting to me. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of Klingon. Lore. But the the acting, the writing, some of the conclusions they come to, really where it fell apart for me entirely was when Janeway buckled on an emotional appeal. Yeah, and I was just like, no, like a, a, a Starfleet captain just wouldn't do that. A Starfleet captain wouldn't be like, oh, but it's your religion. Hmm. Okay. So you know what would have made more sense for all of the characters involved would be for uh, Janeway to tell her no and then her to do the emotional appeal where she like compares her to her mom and then she says no again and then she's like, you're just like her and then gets pissed and leaves. And does and it on does her it own. does it on yeah. her own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she like figures out a way to hack the doctor because like she's like chief of engineering. She knows how to control shit. I mean, so not, not hack the doctor. She just does it on her own and then she's yeah. like, she puts it on like a timer or something. Yeah. But then it fails because she uh, agrees to take her mom's place and everything. And that's when like Janeway finds her, or and the doctor or, gets involved, or the or doctor's like, uh, "I'm yeah. sensing uh, irregular life signs on her, or something." You know, yeah, yeah. They could have done it in different ways. Yeah, but then, then like, if if her and Janeway had a resolution at the end of the episode, that would have made it, that would have yeah. closed the loop. You know I, what I mean? I, I, yeah. Like, the, the way they ended the episode was bad. I think. Yeah. Just so her, like, her waking up and going, "Mom," and then hugging Janeway. 
it was just too much like, oh, well, she has mommy issues and Janeway's helping her to resolve them. Yeah, and the thing was is that the conflict between her and Janeway was already resolved earlier yeah, in the episode. Absolutely. So, like, there's no stakes there. No. Like, there's no resolution there. Except for, like, maybe good. getting her mom to heaven, even though then it implies her mom's still alive. So which this is was also a fool's confusing. errand. Yeah, exactly. So there was no reason for her to do this in the first place, which actually really makes the episode worse now that I think about it. No, definitely. I'm actually going to say it might be below average because the resolution and basically the entire story doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I agree on that sense. That being said, the aesthetics and just like the Klingon stuff, it's enjoyable enough to watch. That enough. Like, I, I feel like the enjoyment of watching it uh, gives it an extra point in its favor from me. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, I agreed. Flawed episode. Really interesting episode, though. Cortar. Yeah. Uh, is a fucking bomb. God, Kortar Kortar's so cool. Rules. He we killed the gods, and now he commands the ship that carries dead souls to hell. Dude, it's so fucking That sick. fucking rules, yeah. dude. Yeah, get, get this man some blood wine. He is... Get this man some gawk and some blood wine. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Give him some Na'im. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, he wants that titty Na'im. He wants that titty milk. He wants that titty milk. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty pretty much it, I guess. That's pretty much it, I, I guess. I'd, yeah. I'd give it a um, you know, I'm actually I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of ten. It was now now that I actually, I actually had it at a six because I thought it was pretty good, but now that I actually think about the fact that she didn't ever have to go into a coma and none of this really ever mattered at all. It, yes. it really ruined it for me, to be honest. So I'm like, I like some of the concepts. I really like Tim Russ being all Klingon. Um, oh, yeah, I love that. But ultimately, this episode really fell apart under scrutiny for me. Hey, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. What would what, you give it? I would give it a three and a half out of, out of five. Okay. Um, I give it a seven out of ten because, like I said, I feel like it's an above average Voyager episode in, sense, in the sense of, like, the atmosphere that it creates. Plus, like, the Klingon stuff is strong, even though, like, it does have its flaws. I still enjoyed watching it. And also, Neelix died, and also Tom Paris died. Neelix did die, but he didn't actually die, which sucks. Which, like, (laughs) which sucks. Like, fuck that. Fuck Neelix not dying. I don't like that. Yeah, okay. I like Neelix. We can can fuck Neelix not dying. Just like the AC album. I like it when he dies. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Well, okay, so before we move on, to subspace transmissions, I think we need to figure out what the episode we're watching for next week is going to be. We absolutely do. Uh, so what I have here is our random number generator. And the way we like to do this is we do it three times, mm-hmm. and we watch what the third episode is that we yep. pull up. So let's go ahead and generate a number here. Mm-hmm. 415. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Not going to happen. 647. Also, not, not going to happen. Not you, but what is it? This is the third number. This is going to be it right here. Uh-huh. 808. That's going to be an episode of Lower Decks. Again. the right. Like the third most recent episode of Lower Decks. Which episode is that? Um, oh, actually, no, it's not because of Prodigy. It's going to be an episode of Prodigy. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's going to be one of the most recent episodes of Prodigy, I believe. Yeah, so wait, wait, I think it'll be season uh, one, no, episode no. eight. Right? No, I'm totally sorry. There's only ten episodes of Prodigy, and so this is out of eight twenty, right? Yeah. So no, this is going to be the second most recent episode of Lower Decks. Okay. Yeah. So we're watching more Lower Decks next week. All right. 
great. Uh, love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. With that, I would say, I think we should get into some subspace transmissions, my Let's friend. Let's do it. Let's do it. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Hey, we're here. We're here for the beer. This is the part of the show where we look at some comments on the internet and we talk about them, make fun of them, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever you do with comments. Comments are pretty fun. So the first big batch of these are going to come from uh, some posts that you made on Facebook and Reddit. Gosh, people, uh, my the memes I make, I have, I think I've found a formula. Yeah, to just put stupid, incredibly reductive takes online. Yep, and just not comment on them. Nope, and just let people do what they want and just make their own opinions. And the thing about, I think Facebook might be the best place for this because Facebook is very interesting, in that it's mm-hmm. not anonymous. No. And somehow everyone on there believes that their opinion matters. And, Truly. And somehow when those two things mix, yeah. it creates a cocktail of just complete narcissistic dumbassery. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, I love definitely. It. So I love it. We're going we're gonna to look at some comments from uh, the post that you made in implying that all uh, security officers are bastards. It says, uh, ACAB includes all chief security officers. Which is a fun take. Yeah. Uh, some people didn't think it was a very good take. No. Um, so no, to kick things off, we've got William Lottie, who says, Tuvok isn't even a good cop. His failure to contain two Ferengi for 10 minutes directly prevented Voyager from getting home years sooner. That's actually true. Which yeah. is actually true. Yeah. yeah. Tuvok's not a very good cop. Unless he's a Ferengi or a fucking... Uh, uh, Undercover the Maquis officer. Yeah, 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 or uh, a uh, you know a Klingon like in the last episode we just watched. I think he would have rocked as a security officer there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd like you to read the second comment uh, in this one here. Um, so Sam uh, Verbulaches says, "I love Odo as a character. I love his actor. Odo is a fantastic detective and a devoted constable. Odo is a bad cop. Racial profiling." targeted harassment of local business owner hmm. and he'll declare martial law at the drop of a hat and then uh brian burgess says right after uh i decide who has rights and who doesn't on this promenade uh yeah odo is just straight up a fascist <laughs> which odo is a hundred percent a fascist he, he kind of he's yeah. a fascist collaborator yeah. he collaborated with the cardassians uh fucking he kept up with those cardassians he, he did and also like one of my favorite moments i forget I, I want to say it's in season five or six somewhere. Uh-huh. It's it's the ascent uh, is the episode. It's oh, the one yeah, yeah. where uh, Odo and Quark get stranded and have and to climb up a mountain. Climb a mountain, yeah. And, and uh, the, the, one of my favorite Star Trek moments of all time happens in that episode where uh, Quark just lays down at one point. He says, uh, "I'm just gonna lay down here and die." Yeah, that's pretty good. It's but pretty good. One of my very favorite uh, moments in Star Trek happens in that episode also, where Quark uh, says to Odo, "You're a fascist." And oh I'm yeah, like, he does call I'm like, I, fascist, I fucking yeah. feel that, Doug. I, he, he is a fascist. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Quark, for saying what we were all thinking. Um, speaking of what we were all thinking, uh, maybe <laughs> what we're not all thinking. <laughs> Joseph Limber says this fundamentally misunderstands ACAB. It's an oversimplistic understanding of nuanced systemic critique. 
No fucking duh. It's a Star Trek meme <laughs> on a page called Star Trek shit posting. So this dude. Are had, you lost? The, so this dude started a like insane. Oh, I saw it. Brawl. I oh, saw no, no, it. I know. I'm just explaining yeah. to the, the listener. Like yeah. this dude started an insane internet brawl. So a whole bunch of people were arguing about this just because this guy took it too seriously. And then people didn't like his takes. Oh. And I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, but he started some shit, uh, and then we have the one sensible person, which you you commented on here, yes. uh, Tom Scanlon. Shout out, real one out there, Tom yeah. Scanlon, who's like, it's a joke, man. Get a grip. <laughs> which I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that. I'm and like, then, thank God one person on here isn't crazy. And then uh, Joseph Limber responds, too many people make this statement unironically for me to take it that way. It's just spreading bad info that turns young lefties into straw folks conservatives thinks we are. So, oh, into straw folks conservatives think we are. And Tom responds, you're not changing the world with your Facebook comments. Just leave it alone. <laughs> Seriously, just such a good like, just like, dude, really. And th this is why I love Facebook yeah. is because these people are fucking insane, totally, and believe that believes that somehow material politics happen on Facebook comments of yes. Star Trek memes. Yes, definitely. Which is absurd. Yes. How can you believe that? Yes. That's Definitely. the dumbest possible view to have about anything ever. Yeah, and this Joseph guy is like so concerned about like what conservatives think of him, I guess, that he's and like he's so projecting concerned. this like weird like you don't understand and you're not using this term correctly. It's no, important. No. You're you're defeating leftism in America by diluting the phrase ACAB by comparing it to Star Trek. Dude, mm -hmm. no. No, I do material politics. Like, I am actually out there in those streets, like, proving why ACAB exists. Like, I'm yeah. not just making fucking memes on the internet, although I do make fucking memes on the internet to piss off assholes like you. But, like, get a fucking grip, man. To, to continue with this, a whole bunch of people got mad that Tom was like, hey, it's just a joke, dude. Like, it's it. chill. So one person responded to him and was like, it, saying it's just a joke is what conservatives do. And yeah, then, like, he, and then so he responded to that person and was like, what the fuck is up with everyone picking a fight? Is the post is the original post not a joke? Did the original comment not take it too seriously? What is going on? Like, which again, totally rational, totally logical, just like a hundred percent. This is a joke. And I said it's um, just a joke. Is it not a joke? Uh, like, what is what, the, what is happening? This man is like a Vulcan <laughs> amongst Romulans. Like he is just totally. like he's a, seriously, he's a, guys, yeah. really? Like yeah. No, and everyone's like, "Yes, he's a he's a Vulcan among religious Bajorans, my friend." Yeah, he um, is, uh, yeah, he's a Vulcan amongst Kai Wins specifically. And so, yeah, exactly. So, speaking of Kai Wins, Aaron Schaefer responds: <laughs> "The joke is that people say shit like it's a joke or stop taking things so seriously." But that's the problem. People do take jokes too seriously. The line between joke and valid argument has been blurred so much that meaningful conversation has become Comedy Central's roast of everything. Yes, the post is a joke. I see that. But it's a shitty joke, and that's why people are making a big deal about it. All right, Aaron. Uh, let's, let's take a All poll right. here. 
how much content do you make that actually gets discussions like meaningful leftist discussions, even though most of the people on here are fucking crazy. <laughs> how many, how many posts have you made that do that? Cause I do it like every other day. I do it all the time. It's like, like what, what are you doing? What are your material politics? I got a big fat post in Dick. Show me your post in Dick. Let's go. Right. And anyway, it's fucking Facebook. It's on a, a forum called Star Trek Shit Posting. Spe- what do you not get about where you are? Are you lost? Speaking of Facebook, Terry Welland says, ACAB is such millennial bullshit. There's no nuance at all. The correct term is fuck the police. Where's the nuance in fuck the police? I I, I, I think that, that this is a joke. I'm I'm not sure. Okay. Though. Yeah. Okay. It, well. it didn't read like a joke, and I was like, all right. Weird. Yeah, it is. I think that is a joke, but it's, it's just not probably. great. So Terry Welland uh, comes back with another comment later in the thread where he says, "Mall cops are still cops." If that makes me sound, or sorry, mall cops are still cops. If that makes me an asshole shouting slogans, then I'm an asshole shouting slogans at bootlickers and class traders. I take it back. His last comment was cool. Terry, yeah. Terry, you're a real this one. A Terry cool Welland comment. fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with that entirely. Yeah. Like Paul Blart. A cab includes Paul Blart. It definitely includes Paul Blart. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Samuel James Sewell says it works. Odo is definitely assigned cop at birth. <laughs> yeah, he is. Which yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's definitely. A funny <laughs> that's, cop. that's pretty funny. Um, somebody was arguing that a cab didn't work in this context, and uh, this dude was like, "Nah, nah. Yeah. Odo is assigned cop at birth, definitely." Which uh, I agree. Uh, so. Keeping on with the ACAB discussion, Jesus. Gabe Sember says, You know, if extrapolate the class analysis of this meme out any farther than just being a kid that likes edgy sloganeering and assume that OP actually understands abolition and what ACAB means, it says some really unsettling things about what's actually happening on a starship that would make Star Trek unwatchable for me. Yeah. It's just a... A lot of a comment. Yeah, I mean, there's way too much context uh, personally about me in there. Yeah, there's way too much about. Yeah, that 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 doesn't. I mean, that doesn't matter. But yes, Yes. I am just an edgy kid uh, that likes sloganeering. That's true. Yeah, I I think I understand. My my favorite sloganeer is "Hang Dong and Shocker." Same here. Same here. Um, I believe I know what ACAB means, and in as much I just finished a great book on it, uh, "The End of Policing" by Alex Vitali. I would highly, highly recommend it. It gives incredible systemic arguments on basically all of the systems that cops are responsible for and why they shouldn't be responsible for any of them except for maybe stopping violent crime in progress. Mm. And if they can get their shit together and actually investigate crime, maybe that. But cops suck at everything. They do. Cops fucking suck at everything. And, you know, ACAB... It's a long systemic argument about how cops support other cops, and it's a hierarchy that sustains itself. Because guess what? All hierarchies' aims are to sustain their continued existence. That's all hierarchies do. That's true. And so cops are going to do that, and the more work we give them, the worse they get at their base job and all the other jobs we give them. Yeah. And so we need to defund the police, like, by 90%, and give that money to social services, things that will actually stop crime like education, yeah. uh, fair housing, uh, drug treatment, fucking uh, legalizing sex work, yeah. and drugs. Like, 
you know, we do everything fucking wrong in America, especially when it comes to policing. And yeah. I could I could go on way longer about this, but I'm you gonna could. I'm gonna stop it there, and we're gonna continue on with subspace transmission. Yeah, because speaking of uh, you know, doing things wrong, um, Joshua Mason says, "I wonder if Riker mounts women like he mounts chairs." A hundred percent, because he's got a bad back, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. yeah, he probably does. Uh, if you've never noticed the Riker chair mounting, oh, it's a huge meme. Look, yeah, meme. you look look that up. It's yeah. pretty good. Um, okay, so here's a very long comment. Fuck. Uh, Ben Kirshner says, Ethan Phillips does do a good job, but honest to God, I hate the character Neelix. I think he's the only Trek character I truly can't tolerate. His whole thing is ignoring consent, yeah. especially with Tuvox and Balana. They are constantly like, Neelix, yep. please stop. I want to be left alone. I sincerely do not want to be disturbed right now. And his entire character game is replying, oh, ho, ho, Mr. Vulcan. I know that when you say no, you mean yes. Now give me a smile. Now pucker up that asshole, Mr. Vulcan. I'm going in. <laughs> uh it also annoys me that they came up with an insane race idea that has an entire human life cycle in six to nine years. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and all they could think of to do with that was, whoa, she's fully mature at age three? Let's have her date a 50-year-old birthday clown. <laughs> <laughs> That's just amazing. So, Bravo on so that a couple, yeah, a couple things to good. clear up here. Neelix was, I believe, 38 uh, when Voyager starts. And Kess was three when Voyager starts. However, it's made clear that they have had a relationship of some sort before that. So we don't know if Neelix was dating her before or after she became mature in her race. Uh, Think about that. Uh, I so don't so even even in canon, it uh -huh. could still be very creepy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, even in canon, it is creepy to me. Like the whole idea of a a race that like, although she's supposed to be experiencing thing and maturing in like far greater time like she still talks with everyone on the ship in real time so yep. so she can't really be maturing that much faster because she's not experiencing things much faster which when it comes down to it maturity is your level of experience in life yeah it, it, it a lot of it comes down to that truthfully yeah and i'm not trying to make a libertarian argument like oh 13 year olds can be uh you know uh, experienced enough in life Oof. and mature. I'm not making that argument at all. No, we don't want that. Uh, the but legal age of consent should be 18 ever. But speaking but of bad takes, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to go to Reddit now for some bad oh, takes. Uh, Ryle Zerg uh, says <laughs> like on Reddit, name. the Marquis were just squatters that threw tantrums when the property owners came home. Which is Ugh. a very fucked up take. That's a fucked up take, so man. So if, if you don't really recall, this is a, a DS9 plot line. So basically, um, the Cardassians and the Federation were kind of fighting. Uh, and the Maquis were on a planet uh -huh. in Federation space, yep. right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but then the Cardassians and the uh, Federation made a treaty. And the Federation ceded that, that space that their planet was on to the Cardassians. Yeah, much to the so basically just displaced these. People. Yeah, 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 just just like we did with like Native Americans, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and the Maquis were like, "No, you can't do that. Like the fucking Cardassians are going to like destroy us if you do that." And the Federation's like, eh, "We already made the deal. Sorry, Charlie, uh, yeah. but we will relocate you to a different planet if you want." And the the Maquis are like, "No, this is our fucking home, and you gave it yeah. away." 
And yep. so they become terrorists against the Cardassians, very rightfully so. Yep. But this so. motherfucker is like, oh, when the real property owners came home, the Cardassians who didn't have rights to that planet, who mm-hmm. took it over in a colonial way and abused its citizens. <laughs> Fuck you, Ryle Zerg. You're an idiot. Yeah, Ryle Zerg sucks. Fuck you. Know. you. We hate we hate that. Stupid bitch. Ooh. Sorry. Um he, he riled me up. We're <laughs> he definitely he riled, he, he zerged you up, yeah, man. Uh random number ninety nine says in a negative four downvoted comment. Yes. Do you lot know what terrorism is? It's murdering random people. It's always wrong. You don't get to kill people. How can you watch Star Trek and come away thinking terrorism is okay? Go to the 9-11 memorial or the literally thousands of menor- memorials to terrorist victims. Fucking neck beards. <laughs> and Sir Salty responds, the point is, not all terrorists are terrorists, and we should be critical when an imperialist system uses that label. And I feel like that actually, that comment really like sums things up. Pretty yeah, that's so. that's perfect. That's why I left that in there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I should probably give context to uh, what they're commenting on, because uh, it'll make a lot more sense. So uh, I it's a, a, a Twitter comment that I made and posted on Reddit that got like way off voter, and it says, uh, one of my favorite things about DS9 is that it often poses the question, is terrorism against imperialism ever justified? And the answer is always, well, yeah, every single time. Duh, mm-hmm. fuck fascists. And I, I wrote that after uh, reading a great quote that was um, something like, uh, um, fascism is just a- imperialist aggression turned inwards. And I oh, was yeah. like, fuck, that's a great quote. I gotta, I gotta write something about Trek kind of based on that. So I did that. Which is, I mean, pretty much true. Uh, although it doesn't glorify the Maquis, it yeah. glorifies the Bajorans' terrorism. It doesn't glorify the Maquis, but yeah. as I just explained, the Maquis, the Maquis are were in the, in the right same situation. Yeah. Exactly in the same yeah. situation. A hundred percent. They're being abused by the Cardassians after being colonized by them. Yeah. The same situation. However, for some reason in DS9, they paint the Maquis in a very different light from the Bajorans, and I don't like that. Yeah. Pretty weird. Pretty weird how that happens, yeah. huh? Yep. Um. Hal Capone says, huh? in a comment that is very apropos, um, guys, that account is called Soy Trek. Do we know if this is a shitpost making fun of average Trek fan? And I, I so this is, how I, this is how I know I've made it. Uh-huh. Some idiot on Reddit has a conspiracy about me in his mind. Yeah. Which is like, Awesome. Yeah. That's where I want to, I want people to have conspiracies about me. Like yeah. he could have just, you know, maybe gone to my profile. He literally just had to click at least one link, maybe two to figure out pretty much my entire fucking worldview. Mm-hmm. Cause I am not bashful about what I believe ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Antifa and George Soros pay you to post. A hundred percent. We've been clear about that. Yeah. That's, that's the only reason I'm doing this podcast. Funded is by Soros. The, yeah. The right? communists they, they pay us to do that. The communists pay us to make a Star Trek podcast. Definitely. So. That's that's how life works under communism. This is what the left wants. Okay. 100%. Um so now we're going to move on to Star Trek Strange New Worlds reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, interesting. So we're going to look at user reviews of mm-hmm. Star Trek Strange New Worlds. More like on loser reviews. Rotten Tomatoes. Um they're pretty yeah, they are loser reviews. <laughs> so Robert P gives Star Trek Strange New Worlds 2 stars out of 5. Who? 5 days P. ago. The show is better than Discovery, but still suffers from sloppy writing and plot points. 
Each episode is a reboot of something that's already been written in Christmas past. <laughs> Essentially, it's a reboot of the original series, but with a more female-centric crew and a dash of identity politics. <laughs> so what if the crew okay. is more female-centric? Yeah, man. I don't, that's fine. That's fine. And so what if there's a dash of... At least it doesn't like push things in your face like certain things. It doesn't, it doesn't make identity really a central tenant of any storyline. No, nah, it really doesn't. Um, Chris L. gives Star Trek Strange New Worlds five stars out of five on June 8th of 2022. So far, so good. If you are sick and tired of the gory, dark horror of Picard and the misogynistic, misandry, immature, depressing nature of Discovery, then you'll find Strange New Worlds refreshing. I love that Star, uh, Star Trek Discovery is, quote, misogynistic and, and misandrist. misandrist which is that's, like that's amazing so like they're yeah they're anti-women and anti-men but you know what like they write really shitty male characters on that show and really shitty female characters on that show so i don't disagree I don't like miss, in, yeah. in that way like <laughs> they do definitely kind of like put characters in gender boxes in ways and uh i don't know yeah like, like i yeah like the the, the burnham ash thing was like Really fucking a hetero storyline. Definitely. Speaking of a hetero storyline, Tax E gives Star Trek Strange New Worlds half a star out of five on June 7th, 2022, and says, quote, zero Morbius references. Terrible show. Great. Here's a, he, he found his way from 4chan. So, so look, look at the comment right now. This is exactly what I saw. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm covering <laughs> the zero with my head. It's like, more, why? Yeah. Why indeed? Why indeed? Why am I gay? Michael L. gives Star Trek Strange New Worlds half a star out of five he gets the Michael on L. June 4th, 2022, and says, S&W would work well as a standalone science fiction, but fails the test for even remotely adhering to Gene Roddenberry's listed rules for the franchise, True. for adherence to canon regarding established characters' physical and personality traits, not to... Not to mention the outright racism of putting ethnic actors into Caucasian roles in deliberately offensive whiteface. What? <laughs> Who? Are they talking about to pring? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. But I love the. I, I love. The, the idea of this. This is great. Like I'm trying to think who the fuck they're talking about because. Mbenga was originally black. Uh, oh, Obviously, no, no. They're talking about Robert April, who it was only appeared oh, in the animated series as a white man. Okay. And then in the live action series, uh, of which he's never been represented in a live action series, he's now a black person. Oh, no. So I'm pretty sure oh, no. this guy's like- A guy who spent five minutes on two episodes so far? Uh-huh. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White, We're doing white face. White face, dude. Wait. Yeah. It's white face, dude. Yeah. It's not, not, not chill. Not chill. They're not doing white. He's black. I think. Yeah. I, th I actually think they're talking about to pray. You think? I think so. Okay. I, I think the. I mean, I believe the original actor was white, and I think this one is not. But I'm not I'm, sure. I'm not sure. Um. So, offensive whiteface. Uh, for grossly inaccurate set structure and architecture, and for exuding technology far in advance of the already established original series. Tech, so that. That I kind of agree with. 
like the transporter yeah. buffer thing with Mbenga. Like, yeah, 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 we've talked about that. There's a couple things in there where like they do have way better technology than they do like a hundred years in the future. I'm like, mm-hmm. eh. It's disrespectful and laughable parody of the original at best, and is part and parcel of why so many originals franchise fans have walked on the franchise since Kurtzman and crew first got a hold of Gene Roddenberry's legacy. So. If you're a fan of the original Star Trek uh-huh. and watched it in its original run, uh-huh. Paramount does not give a fuck if you watch their show or not. No, no, no. You're not in the demo. The demo being 18 to uh, 45 or 49, depending on what platform it's on. Yep. They only care about advertising to people of a certain age because yep. guess what? Old people don't really buy new things. Most of them are on like fixed budgets and most of them don't have a ton of money. And so they don't need to be advertised to. And so they don't advertise to them, so they don't give a fuck if old people watch it. Yeah. And if you care. watched it back in 1966, like the very youngest you can possibly be is what, like 60 years old? Like they don't give a fuck. Yeah. You're not their target audience. Like, yeah, that, that, that's all. They don't care about people who watch TOS. No, they don't they even don't. really give a fuck about people who watch TNG. No, they don't. Um, but we're going to close things out um, on a Rotten Tomatoes review for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. Hmm. Marion Kay gives Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 two stars out of five on September 11th, 2021, <laughs> the 10th anniversary of the release of the seminal Nickelback album Silver Side Up. True. Uh, they state- Wait, didn't something else happen uh, 20 years? No. No, I'm thinking of Nickelback. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, not 10th anniversary, the 20th, 20th anniversary. 20th, yeah, 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 like yeah. you said. Yeah. Um, and they say, quote, too much fascination in kicking in balls. Yeah, it's really the jackass. Of, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I haven't watched the full second season. <laughs> too much fascination in kicking in balls. I bet there is a lot of ball kicking in there, and it's dumb, probably. Okay. Yeah, sounds yep. good. I think it's time for our red shirt obituary. Indeed, that was subspace transmission. Well, the away team was in a pinch, and somebody had to die. But thanks a lot, time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. Today we remember Lieutenants Lat- uh, Latimer, Gaetano, and Crewman O'Neill, who served on the USS Enterprise under Captain James T. Kirk. Uh-huh. All three men succumbed to injuries caused by the inhabitants of Taurus II. Latmer and Gaetano after their shuttle cra- craft crashed on the planet, and O'Neill as he was searching for the downed spacecraft. As with many of the early quote unquote redshirt deaths, none of the late crew members were redshirts, in that they were all in command during the time when command wore either yellow or gold shirts. So rest in peace, Lieutenants Latmer and Gaetano and crewman O'Neill, and thanks for your sacrifice to the greater good. I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess. Maybe. Well, looks like that's it. <clears throat> All right. Captain's Log, supplemental. It looks like that's it. It's time for us to warp away. Be well. Travel safe. And as Ferenki rule of acquisition number 214 says, never begin a business negotiation on an empty stomach. Hang Hang dong dong 
and Shocker. Soy, 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 soy,